honestly, we haven't even started the show yet, and I am so sweaty. <laughs> it's like actually obscene. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty disgusting in here. Like you don't want to feel my back right now. <laughs> I do have my top off. Yeah. Not well, no, not yet. I'm I'm gonna have my top off. Yeah, it's like halfway off at the moment. It's yeah. kind of caught on your. I've got like drift. The, yeah, I've got the two ends. Oh God, you're actually right. It is, kind of, <laughs> it is kind of like hitched up by being in the passenger seat. But there, there we go. Um, I, I, I've kind of. I'm gonna have it tied together, like yeah. um, at the two ends, like Daisy Duke or something. Yeah, yeah. Think it'd, it'd be a look. It, yeah, yeah, it'd probably be beneficial. <laughs> it wouldn't be a good look. It'd just be a look. Give it a go. All right. Yeah. Well, good morning. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Delete as applicable whenever and, and wherever you are listening to this absolute dross. <laughs> uh, this is a special bonus episode of The Bitchin' Review. Are we calling it episode 6.5? Yeah, let's do that. All right, cool. That's, yeah. Well, this is The Bitchin' Review. It is the only uh, alternative music reviews podcast you'll ever need. Brought to you, as ever, by Bitchin' Brew. Thank you for tuning in. My name's Danny Randon, and uh, I, as ever, um, am thrilled beyond words to be joined by my my very handsome co-host, Brad Thorne. How are you doing, Brad? Yeah, I'm also thrilled beyond words. (laughs) I don't know why I did, like, the weird upward inflection like on how are you doing it, it felt like like it felt like that old skit in that Mitchell and Webb was it that Mitchell and Webb look where it was like well I don't know what you want from me anymore <laughs> I can't remember weird upward inflection it's like I'm from LA or something <laughs> where they talk like this like Drew Barrymore anyway um I'm feeling a little delirious already. It's yeah. that it's that hot, it's pretty hot right now. Yeah. Um, and if you are uh, kind of wondering, it sounds sounds a little strange. I was a total dick and forgot to charge my laptop before coming here today, so we can't actually record it on the mic on the on the expert recording setup that I have uh, in in Brad's car in a car park in Southampton. <laughs> we are instead using voice memos on my iPad. <laughs> We've we've gone old school again. Yeah, it's all changed this week because normally we're in your car. Yeah. This time we're in my car. It's a very nice car. Thank you. Yeah. Kind kind of. It has a CD. <laughs> it has a CD player, which is better than mine. Yeah, which is an upgrade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I really I can't quite believe that it's that it's already been two weeks since we were having. Probably the time of our lives oh, at, yeah. at the at the true happiest place on earth. Yeah, um, which is what we are talking about today. Very specifically, of course, I am referring to Two Thousand Trees Festival. I don't know if I've mentioned it at this point on the podcast, but I'm quite a fan of that festival. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement that it that it's probably the best festival. Yeah, we saw we saw a lot of bands. We exchanged a list of bands we both saw over the weekend before doing this, and even with me being busy backstage doing interviews and and whatnot, mm-hmm. we both managed to see nearly 50 bands between the two of us, yeah. which is fucking mad. We've got a lot of bands to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are going to give you a pretty comprehensive review of our weekend at 2000 Trees and all the bands we saw over the course of, of three similarly swelteringly hot days. Mm. Um, not quite as hot as it is right now, but still still toasty. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, First, first though, I've mentioned it briefly already. Uh, I want to give 
a totally shameless plug of Bitch and Brew's two-part extravaganza, an eleganza extravaganza, if you will, in the wise words of RuPaul, um, of uh, backstage interviews from 2003's this year. I had a really awesome time speaking to a handful of bands that played this year, each of which I felt had a certain sort of buzz around them, for, mm-hmm. for lack of a, of a better phrase. Um, both parts of that are available to listen back to now on whatever podcast you use to st- uh, whatever platform you use to stream podcasts. Sorry, um, and uh, and those podcasts include interviews with Brutus, the Saint Pierre Snake Invasion, Merle, Petrol Girls, Delaire the Liar, Foxjaw, and Sur. Uh, each of which we'll be talking a little bit more about over the course of this podcast. Mm. Um, which, you know, we, we said between us already we are going to try and keep this as brief as we possibly can because with nearly 50 bands to talk about to, to sort of varying extents, I'm sure there is every possibility that we could go on for about 17 hours yeah. uh, talking about our time at 2000 Trees and I'll end up missing the last train home. <laughs> You'll probably get fired for not turning up to work. <laughs> And, yeah, we're just going to try our damn hardest not to do that. Yeah. Um, before we go into talking about individual bands, Brad, how was your 2003's 29 experience overall? It, it was great. It's always great. I think this was my third year. I think it was your third year. Me too, yeah, yeah. Third year in a row. Yeah, um, I took a year out. But um, I think this was the year it just really cemented itself as my favourite festival to go to in the summer. Yeah. A great place to find new bands, to check out those bands that you've been listening to all year, check them out live. Mm. Which is what a lovely place. Uh, I must admit, I think this year, I I absolutely loved it this year and had a great time doing all the, all the shit backstage that we did and Mm -hmm. the, and the lineup was sort of, was stacked as ever. Mm. I do think though, last year kind of cemented it for me as, as the best festival I think I've ever been to. First year I went in 2017, it was like total. This is amazing. This, you know, I'll keep coming back here. This, this was a really great first experience. And then I went back the following year. I went last year, and it just kind of cemented it. And this year, I mean, it was it was great. But at that point, I already knew how it was the best festival yeah, on the yeah, planet. Definitely. And I don't think that necessarily like dampened my my enjoyment of the weekend at all. I just knew. 2000 Trees was there, it's the best place ever, um, and I maybe, coming back, I always get massively down about not yeah, being at Trees the anymore. The last two weeks has been rough. Lonely, he's <laughs> yeah. so lonely. I just had four days in Budapest, so that was lovely. <laughs> um, just drop that in there. Right, well, without further ado, let's talk about some bands we saw. Now, we got there on the Thursday, mm-hmm. um, we were able to um, erect our tents yep. fairly swiftly yep. um my was... erection was swifter than yours if i remember <laughs> rightly <laughs> it was yeah. and you were able to erect on your own yes you needed some help i did we have our episode title already um <laughs> Oh, can't be that. No, uh, we got there, unfortunately, not early enough to see Jamie Lemmon no. open the uh, Axiom slash Lemmania 2 stage that mm-hmm. day with his acoustic set. We kind of turned up to the set for about 15 seconds before we went, thank you, I've been Jamie Lemmon, I'll see you later, <laughs> and went, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> um, but I think the band we both sort of saw first properly was Foxjaw, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. They were the the second band on the new stage mm-hmm. that day yeah. and it felt to me like something of a homecoming they're 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 Bristol lads so it's not too far from 
you know, Cheltenham or no. wherever sort of 2003 is, Withington. Um, and the crowd was red hot, super early. It was a packed mm-hmm. tent. It was for yeah. what one o'clock on a on a Thursday, mm-hmm. um, which was which was super cool to see. And uh, you know, it did feel a little bit like a celebration because they, as we discussed during their chat, we had their their, their friend come out in a in a tuxedo with uh, with glasses of bubbly for each member of the band at the end of one song, and it it, it felt like a real occasion for it them, did, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Um, I thought they were awesome. Yep. I thought Fact. it was. I thought it was a great start to the festival. They're they're really what I wasn't expecting. They're really kind of larger than life and mm-hmm. and theatrical. Especially Danny, their singer and bassist, who was giving it the kind of Wilco Johnson with his bass guitar at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were all dressed in black and they really look the part. I, I wasn't expecting something so aesthetically focused. No, I don't think I was either. No. no, I don't know. Do they do that all the time? I've never seen them live before. I don't know if that's was part of the whole celebratory kind of... I'd like to think it was it's part of their regular set. It was my first time seeing them mm-hmm. too, um, and the first of many now. Yeah, like, you yeah, know, definitely. I'm fully on board with it. Yeah. Um, it leans quite heavily on uh, the Playground for Sad Adults EP, which I think came out... Did it come out just under a week before... That's yeah, it. Th- that was, it was. I think pretty much the closest thing. I don't know if they did a release show around the no, the EP it, release, but it, they were very much in the first week still. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that EP. I think next time we meet up. Yeah, we're um, talking about it on the next proper episode of the Bitchin Review. But it was very nice to hear them peppering the set with a lot of those songs because they're mm. really, really good. And they, and they went down a storm too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to say too much about the tracks themselves, but yeah. they really kind of carry the the atmosphere and the and the kind of esoteric mm-hmm. elements of the tracks really, really well. They kind of open their set with uh, the single "Melt You're a Face of Wax," yeah. um, which you know I think kind of is the shining example of those mm-hmm. weird little elements. We're going to talk more about that in, in yeah, a little yeah, bit, we don't but want to spoil it too much. Yeah, but. yeah, exactly. Um, but also, you know, when they're heavy, my fucking oh, god, they're heavy. Mammoth, I think. At yeah, times, those riffs, especially. Yeah. <laughs> Are we already talking about the riffs. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was thoroughly impressed. I really did not expect something quite as—I don't know if "polished" is the right word, but like showy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for a, they're a very very young band. Yeah. Mentioning, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, you know we're going to men- I think I'm going to mention this several times uh, over the course of this review. It's awesome to see a band doing that kind of showy thing, even if they're like second on on the first yeah, day yeah. on the on the smallest smallest full band stage. At least there's tons of like campsite stages, yeah, yeah. but like the the smallest proper stage. Let's say. Yeah. It's cool to see them. Kind Still of going all out for yeah, it at yeah. one o'clock in the afternoon. For sure, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Foxjaw was thoroughly impressed with them. Um, after that, I saw a little bit of Haggard Cat. Uh, friends of the podcast, of course. Um, now, I didn't say this earlier, but um, certainly in the case of Thursday, there were a few bands that I kind of saw one or two or three songs of because I was kind of darting around, not only stage to stage, to try and see as many bands as possible, um, and that was especially the case on Thursday because it kind of felt like the most stacked of the days lineup mm-hmm. wise. Yeah. Um, but I was also obviously darting backstage occasionally to record interviews for you to listen back to now via Bitch and Brews 2003's two part special, now available to listen back to on all good podcast platforms. <gasps> <laughs> 
Um, so if I am reviewing a band and I, and I don't mention specific things that I uh, that kind of went down during the set, like if I don't mention the the crazy bit with the singer crowd surfed or whatever, it's because I didn't fucking see it. So so like don't fucking at me, bro. Yeah, give us a break. <laughs> anyway, Haggard Cat. Um, yeah, I caught a few songs of their set on on the cave stage and. Um, you know, they were on the main stage last year, so it was kind of cool to see them go to, go, not necessarily be, I don't think it's kind of a relegation to the cave stage, it's, you know, they're kind of on later in the day, and Mm -hmm. the cave stage is, you know, still a wicked proving ground, it feels like it's the case with all their stages, they never feel like it's a relegation at all, I'm sure we're going to be talking about that, about Palm Reader in a bit, um, you know, uh, they were they were on the main stage last year, and I think they kind of really proved their worth to kind of go on a little bit later in the day when everyone's had a couple of beers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, again, it was really cool. It was a lot like Foxjaw, where it was kind of really slick, but still kind of scuzzy and a bit ramshackle, which almost seems like a bit of a contradictory yeah. uh, turn of phrase. But um, they road tested a brand new song um, with any luck. I think we'll possibly hear that record soon yeah, and that's not uh, with any insider knowledge <laughs> at all but um and I, I must say i don't like giving my verdict on new songs live particularly um because no, I, it's not always the easiest environment to, no, to unpick them no absolutely but the new song's called uh, european hardware and um and matt was drumming up a bit of crowd interaction for it as well it's kind of got a really cool sing-along chorus oh, cool. Um, it, it's really nice to see that that Haggard Cat are kind of getting the props that uh, you know Matt and Tom really deserved when they were in Heck. Mm-hmm. Um, but like earlier on in their in their time as Haggard Cat, and, and hopefully that will only grow. Yeah. And um, also, apparently, they had some confetti cannons. I walked past the tent and did see that. So I can, oh, I missed I it. Can, uh... Yeah. Yeah, I can vouch for that. Well, Very I think cool. I think that cements my earlier point about even the bands lower down the bill putting on a real show in Definitely, inverted commas, yeah. even even at a festival. Mm. But I suppose Two Thousand Trees is is ace like that, isn't yeah. it? Um, so after that, we both went to see Wallflower. Indeed. Um, are you? Oh, I don't think we've ever really spoken about Wallflower on the Bitch and Review. Obviously, mm. people know I love them, had them on the podcast before. But yeah. how do you feel about Wallflower? They have grown and grown. And grown on me, mm. um, mostly through seeing them support various yeah. bands, um, which is great. And um, I've really, really grown to like their recorded output. Um, the newer song, Magnifier, that they released, I think, tail end of last year, mm. um, is always on my playlists. So, yeah, they've really grown on me. And with this set, they continue to grow on me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love Wallflower. It was two years on from when where they, they pretty much played the exact same slot on the new stage. Okay. Um, and maybe not on the same day, but certainly around the same time. And I really do think that Wallflower are one of the best bands that, that survived and transcended a wave of DIY punk and emo bands, which seemed to die out very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's bands like Muskets and Gender Rolls and I Told You I'd Eat You, who we'll be talking about in a little bit. Um, and, you know, f- for for one of those bands that's kind of stuck around, there's 20 that have just kind of faded away over time. Yeah. Wallflower is one of those bands that have, thank God, stuck around. And I feel like there's something a little bit classier about them. I love the way they have so many different layers to their sound. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got three guitars and the things that Charlie does with, with like synth pads while drumming. Yeah. It kind of makes him one of my favourite drummers around at the moment. He's not overly showy about it either, which is yeah, which I'm sure. going to be talking a lot about great drummers <laughs> over the course of this. I realise how much of my notes were about that drummer's fucking great. <laughs> um, 
No, I feel like, sorry, this has been more of a, a review of the band as opposed to their set, um, during which we heard one new song, which is Ace. Mm-hmm. Did, was it one new song? Or it might have been a couple, actually. I recall one. That yeah. may well have been a couple. They, they, they were great, as always, but this is, I think, possibly the first time I'd seen Wallflower and didn't really pick up on anything new or overly exciting my prevailing thoughts i mean obviously they were wicked they are always wicked live yeah um fucking really loud when they're loud Mm. they're so quiet and arresting yeah quieter moments and as you said layered and very very dynamic so they're always a great great live band but my kind of prevailing thought as i left that tent was wow i'm really ready for an album Mm. and for a set with some songs that i haven't heard and you know i'm i'm sure it's coming and i'm happy to happy to wait but i'm really looking forward to that yeah i do feel like the clock is now ticking for new material Mm -hmm. um i know they've been selling it for a little while yeah um and i i would have really liked a new ep by now because i think uh their 2003 set in 2017 was either just before it was just before they'd released the where it fell apart ep Mm -hmm. which is superb um and I know we've had Magnifier, and as a standalone track, that is wicked. But I, I do kind of worry that they're not going to get much further um, or kind of anywhere near where they deserve to be if, if they don't act fast. Mm-hmm. I, I love them dearly. Wallflower, boys, you know I love you. Um, but, yeah, like, TikTok now. Yeah, what you're saying is if you've got the new stuff, just giz it. <laughs> just giz it. <laughs> giz the stuff. <laughs> um, nervous. Mm-hmm. Yes, I went to see you Nervous. Went to nervous. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I spoke about um, uh, Nervous on their, their headline tour on the last episode of the Bitch and Review, so I'm going to kind of keep this brief. But uh, they were on the cave stage. Um, again, it felt awesome to see them there after they were on the, the new stage um, outrageously early in the day last year, I felt like. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you can kind of hear what I feel about their show in full, like I said on the last episode of the Bitchin' Review, but they, they, they have those bright and euphoric pop rock melodies which only sound brighter and more euphoric at a place like Trees. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think this is actually one of the rare cases where it was a really excellent example of them road testing some new material. That new single, which they've just put out, called Flies, yeah. um, which is great, That's isn't it? Tune, yeah, yeah uh, the new album, Tough Crowd, is going to be out in September, I believe. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, and another track, which is going to be on, on the album, called uh, They Don't, which is about uh, the band's uh, dislike for the police, which uh, Emma's made pretty pretty well-known on Twitter yeah. at this point. Um, and Emma was getting the, the two two-part crowd sing-alongs going for the chorus which is which is really brilliant oh, cool. um i think i think the best thing about a nervous show was the, the is is always the sheer sense of community uh, the the crowd is always just this massively diverse selection of people who share in their their love of the music regardless of of their individual tastes or even something deeper than that like sexual orientation or gender mm-hmm. i think you know that's somewhat helped by the the lyrical themes and m's journey um and you know with with that sense of community um m invited someone up to play guitar on skipping needle oh cool um which was which was really cool, and he actually did a really good job of oh, it. Cool. Um, and it was the first of multiple appearances on that stage that day from uh, members of Milk Teeth and Petrol Girls, yeah, because they were doing like a, a trio 
uh, they were kind of one after the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, as as we'll get on to, um, and they kind of finished uh, during when they were finishing on on at uh, it follows as they usually do. Um, they did a very similar thing to to what they did at the joiners by inviting the the crowd to basically fuck off the security and rush the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, now. I definitely join that crowd of people um, because I'm just a giant nerd. Uh, but I saw the panicked look on the faces of the security and I felt the, the floor of the cave stage wobble a little bit. It yeah. was packed. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of swiftly exited stage right. Yeah. And I think that was a good move. I, like, luckily, no one was hurt. And I, d- I definitely don't think there were any ulterior motives. No, at the moment, yeah, at the moment thing. But, Absol- uh, absolutely, but there, there was dangerous. there was certainly a risk of the cave stage caving in. <laughs> um, yeah, which was it didn't necessarily sour the end of the set. No, M still left the stage going. It's the big gig. <laughs> oh, I love her. She's a shit house, but I love her. Um, <laughs> so yeah, nervous. They were great as always. Newsflash. <laughs> um, you went to see Orchards, who I'm really gutted I missed. Yeah, um, an absolute highlight of the weekend. Oh, me. really? Um, That's yeah, cool. We were, we were very complimentary about um, their EP, weren't we? Mm. Right at the very beginning yeah. of the podcast, um, and I hadn't had a chance to catch them live. Um, they just took to that. It was a pretty packed tent, actually, and it was just like ducks to water them on stage, and they just mm. won everyone over. Um, it, they the set kind of remind it reminded me of like being at Reading Festival when I was a teenager and just seeing these indie bands that would come on and just make people jump for like half an hour straight. Oh, really? Except this time the songs were were good. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, Lucy, the vocalist, is is just got so much energy, you know, and um, that just feeds through to the crowd. Um, they, they they even they ran over time on their set a bit and the crowd were just chanting for them to keep playing. Oh really? To play another song. I mean, they just want everyone over. They had these kind of inflatable donut kind of O things that were filled with like gold glitter that I think were bouncing around for the rest of the weekend. I was going to ask if there was glitter. Of course, it's an orchard show. <laughs> yeah. There's glitter, isn't um, there? So simple, but something like that. I think you know, like we were saying with the confetti with Haggard Cat, something like that just adds to a celebratory kind of feeling mm. for a set and um i think all the best bands start off doing very very kind of budget production like that that's just just adds a lot yeah it was really really cool i walked away um super kind of energized yeah from that set i mean the songs are amazing uh, we discussed when we talked about the ep how impressive the musicality is and the kind of weird time signatures and stuff mm but they're still so catchy. Yeah, great band. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I, I, I'm dying to get out to an orchard show at some mm-hmm. point. Um, I couldn't stick around when they were on the podcast and um, uh, they were in town supporting Tiny Moving Parts. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I couldn't stick around for the show. So I haven't actually seen Orchards oh. live yet. So I'm, I'm dying to get in on that glittery yeah. poppy energy yeah um i tell you one band i did manage to see a little bit of though and you managed to see their whole set i believe uh petrol girls yeah um and it just glancing over your notes where the printers kind of cut it off and you've had to handwrite it it <laughs> looks like it almost says patrol girls <laughs> um stupid printer <laughs> <laughs> so they were they were on the cave stage um after nervous um 
and I only saw a couple of songs between kind of wrapping up an interview and, and seeing another band who I'll be talking about in a bit. Um, you stuck around for their, their whole set though. Yeah, I did miss the kind of very beginning of the set, but mm. yeah, I was around for the rest. Yeah, um, we obviously, we loved the album. I've gone back and familiarised myself with Talk of Violence, the first album. Mm. Um, they did not disappoint in terms of being just this absolutely incendiary kind of force of nature on stage. Um, Ren, Ren Aldridge, their vocalist, is, is a really, really captivating, kind of ferocious, but, but also really fun mm. presence at the front of the band there's a there's a kind of a juxtaposition there yeah um which she, really really works she's just a ball of passion and rage yeah and she's she's so fiercely intelligent as mm. well she really uses the time between the songs well yeah she uses that platform just amazingly and, and makes sure that everyone has a great time but also takes yeah something important away with them which mm. is a, which is an amazing thing i mean the moment of what i saw of the set this kind of shining moment, um, as we as we already discussed when I chatted with Ren, was um, was when they played the song "Touch Me Again," mm-hmm. which is not actually on Cut and Stitch, which, like you said, was an album we were both very very positive about. Yeah. Um, but uh, it came from the first album, "Talk of Violence," and again, all of Nervous and all of Milk Teeth came out and kind of lent hand with the with the gang vocals, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and the feeling of solidarity, and I'm going to use the word again, community around that trio of bands was ultimately very sort of heartwarming what yeah. what i saw of that was was fucking brilliant and yeah. those that last few seconds of the song where it's literally just ren screaming down the mic touch me again and i'll fucking kill you over and over yeah. again i just was, got some goosebumps yeah. then when you said it but yeah um uh and that that was just fuck so fucking powerful yeah yeah incredible um i think also just worth mentioning the rest of the band i mean yeah. they they're incredibly tight and um the kind of off-kilter, sort of wiry guitar, just really, really impressive mm. as well. As much as Ren kind of steals your your attention, it, it, it's hard not to notice how, how really well the band play. And um, they've definitely upped that on cut and stitch, yeah, as, as we mentioned. Yeah, um, I kind of just walked away from their set just thinking that's a, that's a powerful live band in kind of in every sense of the word, really. Yeah. Yeah, incredible stuff. Yeah, Petrol Girls, and uh, they will be returning to Southampton on their UK tour. Of course, it's not all about Southampton, I'm just saying that because we're here (laughs) in Southampton. Um, But they are touring the UK. I absolutely applaud you to go and see them. Um, Okay, so um, I kind of left Petrol Girls set a little bit early because I wanted to go and see a bit of Puppy. Um, This this is, uh, you know, I missed them on the last UK tour. Um, I seem to remember it was because you were a twat, Bradley, <laughs> um, and you accidentally deleted your notes for a, for a podcast no. that we were meant to record the night before. Don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> um, I was dying to see some of the new material from The Goat Live, yeah. um, and this is definitely the year for them to be on the main stage. We we both loved The Goat, but yeah. I, I think at the same time it was it was exactly what we were expecting from the band, and that may have slightly tempered my my sheer love for that album yeah but going back to it recently and especially after this set I do realise just 
how many fucking bangers are on that album. Yeah, it's riffs, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, they definitely did not disappoint in the slightest. <laughs> um, you know, hearing songs like Bathe in Blood, which is, like, one of the more obscure tracks on the album because it has yeah. all those sort of black metal blast beats mm-hmm. um, at times and then these, like, kind of juxtaposed by these massive sing-along vocal harmonies which are perfect for that... 2003's field or insert festival here field yeah. but particularly 2003's um, even even the more straight ahead material where they've they've kind of upped those Alice in Chainsy metal influenced mm. alt rock vibes uh, songs like Poor Me and World Stand Still are real staples of the set already and that again just sounded kind of equally massive on that main stage and, and the band were definitely in, in high spirits um, I remember joking them joking around about the band that were kind of following them mm. they, uh, I, I don't <laughs> know exactly what they said but basically um, it was to do with I, I did catch the very sort of last two songs yeah and they me. were they were like uh, oh I feel bad for the band that's on after us or something yeah. words to that effect and they didn't. They didn't know who was actually on after them. It was the band Yonica, who you'll be talking about in a bit. I unfortunately missed their set. Yeah. Um, but uh, they misheard the person shouting the name from the crowd, and started chanting for Bogula <laughs> instead, which I think is just that's just puppy all over, really. Um, yeah, Bogula. Bogula. Yeah, I, I can hear it in my head now. It was, it was really good. They they were clearly in a very sort of jovial, celebratory mood, yeah. um, and I think they're just exactly where they need to be now on that main stage. And everything just felt bigger and sort of leaner and groovier. Yeah. If you caught the end of their set, you must have caught that final riff on demons. Yeah, yeah that was a face melter, and they had their fake fire. As well. They did have their fake fire, <laughs> which I fucking love. I still haven't seen them bring the lava lamps in, though. <laughs> Boys, TikTok again. Um, yeah, you're, t- you're going to talk about Yonaka in a bit, but I know that first you've got a couple of other bands to talk about. Yeah, um, I took the opportunity to finally go and see Loathe. You bastard. Um, I've heard a lot of great things about them as a live band, particularly. Um, I've been... You know, very, very intrigued by the potential that I've heard in their recorded output. We've not spoken about them on the podcast before, I don't think. Mm. But they're a band that I've definitely got eyes on. Yeah, I think we've spoken about them very briefly. Very briefly, perhaps, yeah. Um, the first thing I kind of noticed, they didn't have um, any production. I've heard that they normally bring sort of screens with them. Mm. Um, they didn't have any of that. Um, maybe just to embrace the kind of daytime festival. Tent atmosphere a little bit more. In passing the tent, it looked like they had a kind of something of a light show, but like not the massive sort of screens like they have been doing. Yeah, Um, the tent was absolutely rammed. I couldn't actually quite get inside. I was kind of Mm. on the edge. Um, Their vocalist Kadim Kadim France, I think his name is. um, He's got star power. That's the sort of thing that. I really noticed he's got this kind of monstrous roar, which is which is really quite dexterous. His vocal, really, mm. really impressive. Um, is it more dexterous than it perhaps comes across on the record? Because yeah. I, I really do like, I, I quite like that record, but I yeah. think I'm going to love the next record a hell of a lot more. I I think that too. Um, I think you know, from song to song on record, he can be, you know, he can switch up a bit. But yeah, I think live, I really, really noticed. Mm. Um, that talent that he has. Um, 
backed up by a band that uh, that play with the kind of real precision. It's a super dynamic sound that they have, and I think you know for a band at that stage in their career, they've got a really slick, really kind of powerful. I'm using that word again, powerful kind of live show. They're just a kind of a white hot live mm. band, you know, and and for you know if they've still got potential to capitalise on in their recorded output, their live show is is street to head, and they are yeah a fucking amazing live band. Yeah, I was really really impressed. Cool. I I really need to get out and see that. They're they're touring with Stray from the Past. They are. They? They're coming to Southampton again. And, yeah. and there's so many good tours coming to Southampton. I tell you what, if you're if you live in Southampton, there's Finally, a good reason for you to be here right now. Yeah. So many good tours, but yeah, uh, I I really need to get out and see that band. Really do. Um, okay, and after Loathe, you saw a band called Life. I did. Yeah, I think Two Thousand Trees um, wouldn't be Two Thousand Trees if you didn't take a punt on some bands you've never really heard of before. Mm. I hadn't really heard of Life before. Um, you're essentially kind of looking at Idols esque kind of punk band. I did notice that they were in the little uh, lanyard that they kind yeah. of sell at the merch desk and where they give something really cool they do is they kind of do a fans-off section for every yeah. single band on the bill and yeah. Idols was definitely, I think it was the first band in the in the yeah. fans-off section for, for, for life. So it's, um, uh, it's the first band that springs to mind. I mean, they're not a carbon copy. I think they're more... Um, Less abrasive than Idols, oh, okay. more pop sensibilities. Um, I was I was impressed. Very energetic, very political in their lyric in their lyrics. Um, very catchy. Um, their singer was um, was really cool. You know, he had this kind of he was staring out into the crowd, but he was also having a little dance. It was this weird kind of. He was this quite weird presence mm. at the front of the band. Um, I thought it was good. I've got it on my list to go and check out the album. Okay. I don't really know any of the songs, but they were really catchy. Have they put out something this year? They had an album. I think it might have been last year. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, considering some of the bands we're going to talk about, it wasn't one over the weekend that I, you know, that I kept thinking about mm. after the weekend, but... Um, but it was impressive. Oh, cool. Um, I saw a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of Milk Teeth, because, of course, I saw a little bit of Milk Teeth. (laughs) Um, It felt like something of a coronation for Milk Teeth, um, to be among friends, among a crowd like the Trees crowd, who have have kind of always welcomed Milk Teeth with, with arms wide open, especially after all the shit they've been through over the last couple of years. And I really like the fact that a couple of years ago, we saw Milk Teeth start to embrace these these more poppy elements sonically. And, and their shows started to reflect that by being more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this show was really, really fun. And at the same time, I feel like they're starting to balance it back out with a bit more of the furious punk energy again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that made they made that clear with the first track they put out as as the under the the sort of lineup that they have now, um, which was Stain, which yeah. I think is one of the best songs I think they've ever written yeah. and recorded at the very least. Um, I mean, Becky and M are. Sort of becoming, they've they've become a duo that are truly a, a force to be reckoned with at this point in terms of just how fierce they are, and 
and obviously Ollie's just sort of an absolute beast and a bit of a, a bit of a sort of um, mouthy punk shit house behind the <laughs> behind the drum kit. Um, I I don't think there's like quite the tightest three piece I've ever seen yet. I think yeah. they're still ironing out some creases in that way, mm-hmm. but. In a way, I think that kind of lends itself to the the punkier energy that that Milk Teeth shows are starting to kind of regain a little yeah. bit. Um, and of course, the Milk Teeth uh, nervous Petrol Girls dance party kind of resumed, <laughs> with loads of different members from each band coming out to do the the vocals on the chorus of Fight Skirt. Oh, cool! Um, that that was once again, I think, a particularly awesome moment of the set. And and you can tell that all three of the bands, especially in the fact that they're all fronted by these these sort of shining examples of strong and aspirational women in mm-hmm. the in the in the British music scene at the moment they're they're all extremely inspired by one another quite clearly mm-hmm. um i mean i th- i think you know they they were great and we can we can only hope that with a little bit more of that momentum back and and hopefully some new music soon mm-hmm. um that that milk teeth kind of return to the main stage at trees or even like I'd love to fucking see them headline the axiom even yeah I think if this time next year that that could be a a serious conversation yeah or, i think they're a band that really deserve that yeah that kind of spot yeah um i mean it'd be fucking awesome and have you just seen i don't know if you saw the news literally before we started recording they've just signed a deal with music for nations yeah, that's amazing yeah congratulations Congrats. Milk Teeth. <laughs> there we go um yeah you went to see yonica yonica yeah um i like yonica again i don't know if we've spoken about them before uh, I think they're, uh, again, I think very briefly. A fairly cool pop rock emphasis on the pop mm. rock act. Um, I think for me, this suffered from coming so soon after watching a band like Orchard, who are super vibrant, mm. super colourful. It maybe didn't feel as exciting to me. Okay. Um, you know, but I'm loath to kind of compare them too much. Um, I still thought it was good, um, insanely catchy. Teresa Jarvis has, um, I really like her vocals. I think they're great. Um, the guitar aspect of their sound comes through more live, I think. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I, I was um, pleasantly surprised to hear some guitar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounded much more. Um, and it's very impressive, guitar playing as well, actually. Um, they're super cool as well. Which, you know, you can't always judge bands on how cool they look, but I think that's a yeah at a festival. I didn't see him, but I I know someone who went to go and see their set. Not obviously, I know you went to go and see their <laughs> set because you're talking about it. But um, you know, they they told me afterwards that they really kind of carried themselves like utter superstars. Yeah, this is what um this is what I was going to say. They kind of look like they've been doing it for years, mm. just walking onto that main stage. Like we were saying, when, when Vukovi kind of picked them as one of the bands to see over the weekend when we did the Bitchin' Festival preview of Trees, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like they are already kind of in the conversation for future headliners of something like Trees. Yeah. Maybe not on this album, but maybe give them one more album. And hey, fuck it, they may even be back to headline next year and do like a co-headliner thing, much like they did with... Frank Carter and Nothing But Thieves a, yeah. a few years ago. Although they're better than Nothing But Thieves. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are. Yeah, I mean, based on this, I think they'd go down a tree doing something like that. I think they would. Yeah. Um, oh, so awesome. Okay. Um, well, I uh, after that, we kind of met up for a little bit to see Conjurer. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, you saw a bit of this. Uh, yeah. I, now, I got my timings wrong a little bit. I, I scheduled my date around not missing a single second of Conjurer's set, which was on the Axiom stage, but it turns out I got my timings wrong, <laughs> and, and I had to leave after a few songs, and I was absolutely gutted about that, because Conjurer were fucking amazing, and fully deserving of all the, the praise they've been getting as, as, a, yeah. as a live proposition, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was kind of a little bit surprised to see that the tent wasn't packed out for them. No. Um, because it felt like they were the, one of the most buzzed about bands of the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I do, I do love the fact that they all kind of walked out. And um, I don't know if they did this when you saw them back in February, but before they even played a single note, they flipped the audience off. <laughs> I don't um, recall them doing that before. <laughs> just because they're absolute bastards <laughs> like that. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I wasn't able to see some of my favourite material off of off of my life for the aforementioned reasons of me fucking up <laughs> um, but what I did see I mean fucking hell you were there you saw my face yeah it was so intense and heavy and almost intimidating it feels like they're trying as hard as possible to make their show a, a sort of horrific experience uh, yeah it's, it can be incredibly intimidating yeah um, we're going to be seeing them next month at Arc Tangent and I'm I'm determined to genuinely not miss a second of that next I don't care who they're clashing with <laughs> they could be clashing with fucking Coheed and Cambria I don't think they are but <laughs> yeah um my shit in Christ, they were amazing <laughs> live. What I saw of it, in the, in the very least. Um, another band, I was I was gutted to miss all of their set, unfortunately. Uh, but luckily you were there, and you're going to tell me about how great it was now and make me immensely jealous. Palm Reader. Yeah, I mean, Palm Reader, I've, I've seen them a fair few times now, and, and on the evidence I've seen, they are incapable of not being fucking amazing live. <laughs> um, they're one of the tightest kind of you know, sort of slickest live acts going, I think, at the moment. It's certainly in their in their scene. Um I suppose they're kind of out of the Braille album cycle now, are they? They uh, kind of um did a very sort of similar length set to Two Thousand Trees last year, but they kind of they chucked in Always Darkest, which I think is a kind of non album mm. single. Um they did A Lover a Shadow last, which is what they kind of used to do last before Braille was out right. it felt like it was maybe a, an occasion to kind of face, face some other things back into the set exactly yeah right, okay um I they also announced that um sorry um they announced that they are um getting to work on the next album and That's that is happening actually what i was going to say i'm wondering if maybe in the in the couple of months where they've been kind of yeah. having downtime they they they're absolute workhorses yeah, and they are i yeah. wouldn't be surprised if they maybe have well, they say they're getting to work on the next album, so, yeah, that much. Very, is... very good to hear. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I would have maybe liked to have seen them higher up on the cave stage or something. I was slightly confused about why they were on the smaller stage, but, you know, at 2000 Trees, that, that kind of thing mm. feels, you know, the the bands kind of swap around and... yeah. It's fairly relaxed in that manner, isn't it? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they it, it did seem quite strange. They've gone from like the Axiom to the Cave, mm-hmm. which is quite a natural progression, obviously. But yeah. then down down to the new stage, and it kind it of feels felt like, like an odd place for them. Yeah, but, you know, they smashed it and they <laughs> it out. So, um, yeah, I'm gutted to have missed it. <laughs> always, always brilliant. Um, and lovely hair, Andy oh, Gillen. Yeah. Yeah, glorious. Yeah, I did give it a little stroke at some point. (laughs) 
while thinking about Andy Ginnan's hair. Hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel sick. Yeah. Um, I knew for a single second, though, I genuinely wasn't going to miss any of Turnstile. No. Um, because fucking hell, it's it's really, really good to, to see them so high up on the main stage this year. Yeah. I, I think this that, that kind of really goes to show that Trees are one of those festivals that genuinely listens to its audience. Oh, and 100%. And recognises how much love there was for, for Turnstile after their set in 2018. My set of the year, was it not? It was your set of the year overall. It was my set of the weekend, mm-hmm. but it was your set of the year. Yeah. Um, no pressure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I saw them at Slam Dunk. Did yes. you did yeah. you see them too? And they were they were outrageously good fun. Yes. Um but that's the sound on that stage was utter dog shit. It was, yeah, it was poo-poo. It was poo-poo. Um I did kind of did you I don't know if you did. I, I wondered how they would be on a big outdoor stage. Um I was soon slapped in the face and, yeah, and I'd... made to eat my words. <laughs> I, I didn't have any doubts at all. I, their, their, their main stage set at Trees was very much the same as Slam Dunk, but this time they had not dog shit sound. <laughs> and, and as a result, were once again a contender for Band of the Weekend for me. Yeah, amazing. I think they looked really, really up for it yeah. as well. I um, thought they were fucking wonderful. Just outrageous fun, yeah. Um well, you know, not only was it fun for us that it looked like they were having the time of their life. You really did, yeah. Um, especially their their base is Franz, freaky Franz. <laughs> I, I could I could watch Franz all day long with how he how he goes for it. And Brendan Yates, their singer, he was a lot more flamboyant on stage than mm-hmm. I than I remember. Yeah, and he was in, waving out to the crowd. A lot, yeah, in in his kind of stage movements, carries an almost like androgynous en- energy mm-hmm. where he's like kind of growing his hair out long. And even though he's kind of moving around a lot, he he's quite enigmatic. He doesn't speak a great deal between songs. No. Um, although I was a little bit sad that he kind of kept his his windbreaker on for the whole set, and we didn't get to see his glorious, glorious abs. Yeah, <laughs> it was the first time I've seen him keep his top on. Actually, I know, right? Um, and it was probably the hottest weather I've seen them play. <laughs> yeah, <so>. Jesus. <laughs> um, I think also worth. I don't know if this is the same for you. I feel like that was the biggest crowd I was in at the main stage all weekend. I I didn't know whether we should talk about this or not, but I just know. think it's it's it's. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I I think I experienced this a lot where I could actually get quite close to the to the stages compared to previous years at Trees yeah. where where the tents have been totally packed out. Yeah. Um. And I I this is not to kind of speculate on how they did for ticket sales this year at all, but you know it it kind of did make me scratch my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. As to as to why some of the crowds weren't as as huge, but. Oh yeah, I mean, in terms of what you were saying, Turnstile definitely did have quite a sizable crowd. Yeah, it, it almost felt like they had a bigger crowd than someone like I don't know, Yumi at Six had, and they were headlining the whole thing. Bigger, yeah, um, I'd say the only band that can maybe hold a candle crowd size um, was Every Time I Fucking Die. Yeah, who, I think it's between the two of them for the biggest crowd I saw all weekend. More on them later. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I I love that there is there is more of a balance between stuff from Time and Space and and then the material from their prior releases. I feel like it's pretty much fifty fifty split. Yeah. Um. I I I mean at this point, like they could do a new album. I don't ever want to see like drop or or like seven or keep it moving. Blue by you mm-hmm. off of uh, Nonstop Feeling as well. 
Um, I don't want to ever see songs like that fall out of their set no. now. Um, I just wanted to see them do longer sets. <laughs> um, every bit as brilliant as they were last year, if you I ask me. Better. Yeah, I would I say maybe. The, even... I've seen them four or five times. I think this is the the best time. I think. Yeah, yeah, actually no doubt about it. <laughs> Nothing to do with all the wine, that I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bit of bag wine as well. You did, yeah. Cheers, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, at this point in the day, I was perhaps a little half cut, <laughs> and, and I was just having the time of my life. Yeah. Um, so after Turnstile, I had a little bit of a break, went to go have some food, because um, how good is the food at 2000 Trees? the best yeah you saw show me the body i did yeah um a left field booking for the len mania stage i think left field but it still felt like there was a sort of a, a sort of a bubbling hype for them definitely um well they did not pull no a very big crowd at all and i spotted members of bands and, and members of the music press watching them, and I feel they're very much one of those bands that oh, really? people in bands like. Um, okay, yeah, I would say there's a lot of people I, I kind of trust their musical opinion. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like Show Me The Body, are, are, they're, they're not like a, a sort of a massively uh, buzzed about, like they don't get huge amounts of radio play outside no. like the radio and rock show or things like that. There's no like buzz in that manner, but... Um, yeah, feels maybe you're right about it being a sort of a band that people in bands like. Yeah, it seemingly didn't really translate to the to the two thousand trees audience, but um, I really enjoyed it. I like things that are frenetic and weird, and they certainly were that. Um, you know, to begin with, they were just making kind of undecipherable noise. Um, Julian, the frontman, is kind of really kind of anarchic. And in your face, and he has this kind of electronic banjo that he, oh cool, that he plays, which is it's, it's just super odd, um, and a lot more kind of aggro than I was expecting from listening to them on record. There's a sort of a slacker, laid back vibe to the recorded. Oh album, really? Um, but it's all in your face in oh. live. Um, I thought you meant the other way round. Like there's more of a slacker vibe to their live show. No, no, sorry, no. Um, recorded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, when uh, you're watching a band at a festival and, and the tent is so empty, it's hard, you know, not to just kind of think about that. But they, they, it, it didn't bother them seemingly. No, they were, they were really good. I thought. Cool. Um, so on to the first of two headline sets that we'll be talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I should say something about how this may seem like a strange review of Two Thousand Trees because there will actually be no reviews of this year's main stage headliners. No, I, d- I don't think we need to dwell on it as much. <laughs> but like you know, I, I always try and remain as positive as I can about Two Thousand Trees. But you know, there, there comes a point where I have to kind of state my my indifference towards the booking of this year's headliners if you'd have told me in 2011 i was going to a festival that had frank turner and you me at six and death of anna headlining yeah. i would have lost my fucking mind but we're not in 2011 we're in 2019 now and i just don't care no but do you know what i i was thinking about this and i think if you have to book three headliners like that in order to fill your undercard with the kind of bands we spent the weekend watching yeah then so be it 
I would do that year after year. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's always balanced out by so many fucking amazing bands. So many bands we've still got left to talk about. Yes. Uh, one of which is Jamie Lemon. Yeah. Um, this is another artist we're going to be talking about very shortly when we review his new record, Shuffle, mm-hmm. on the on the next proper episode of the Bitchin' Review. Um, I think it's pretty clear at this point that we both fucking love Jamie Lemon. Yes. Um, I was, again, gutted to have missed his acoustics at the start of the day. But that just made me all the more pumped to see his headline set on the the Axiom stage, which was turned into Lemp Mania Two. Yeah. That uh, that um uh, that day. Um, I want to kind of open this review by saying that Jamie Lemon, I thought was was magnificent mm-hmm. as he always is, um, an incredible musician and sort of charismatic throughout his set. Yeah. And and a real showman. Mm-hmm. Um. Greatest showman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was great to hear a few of the the cuts from Shuffle yep. live for the first time. Um, personally, I went rago when he launched into his cover of Popeye. <laughs> I know yeah. you loved the fact that he opened on his cover of Killer. From yeah, Adamski the one I wouldn't Seal. shut up talking about all day. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, however, and I, I know this will probably be quite a controversial opinion, so I'm kind of bracing myself for the haters. Um, but his set list did feel pretty strange. We we both times. walked away from the tent saying that it was an odd, perhaps an odd set list. And I, I think, t- dwelling on it, I think a set list may be tailored to the 2000 Trees audience. You mm. know, he played, I counted, four Ruben songs. Yeah. That's quite a significant chunk of a, mm. of a festival set. Um but, Esen- you know, essentially about a quarter of the, yeah. or, or like maybe more of a fifth of the yeah. set I'd say he played about 20 songs mm-hmm. um, I'm not the biggest Ruben fan and, okay. and I don't mean that as in I don't like Ruben mm-hmm. so again don't fucking at me I, I kind of respect him more than I love them and you know I didn't even recognise that the guest drummer that came out during the set was Guy from Ruben no I didn't notice that <laughs> I feel a bit stupid now, but I've been I've been putting off the deep dive into their discography for fucking years now. Mm-hmm. But I I know that the link between Ruben and Two Thousand Trees is absolutely unbreakable at this point. Yeah, they were meant to headline it shortly before they broke up, mm-hmm. um, and at that point, uh, Camp Ruben was established and has since remained there for over ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- I think when he came out with those Ruben covers, you could noticed the shift in the crowd reaction as soon yeah. as he started playing them. Again, it wasn't the biggest crowd, I thought. I thought he would absolutely pack out that tent. As did I, yeah. Um, he uh, he also did a cover of On a Plane by Nirvana. Yep, very cool. Which, yeah, that was very cool <laughs> indeed. But for me personally, I think I probably would have preferred to hear maybe another a couple of tracks off Devolver. Yeah, or, um, I mean, for me also, I think he did. he didn't play any of the stuff off the heavier end of muscle memory. No, I remember which... all of I remember on the way there just hoping, you know, that we'd hear all these things you hate about me, I hate them too, or like one of my eyes is a clock, yeah. which he's done live uh, a couple of shows I've been to of his, Six Fingered Hand even. Yeah. Um and and I think like Lem Mania the first time round, you were there obviously. I yeah. wasn't one of the defining things was the fact that he brought out members of several of the bands that played to do guest vocals. He did, yeah. And he didn't really do that this year. I don't know whether it was just a logistical thing. I know that Jen from... uh, Not public advertising, sorry, false advertising, Mm -hmm. uh, came out during his acoustic set. But still, I would have maybe liked to see... Is it Kadeem from from Loathe or... Mm -hmm. 
Uh, is that his name, Kadeem? Yes, I yeah. so, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, like, one of the Kundra lads Definitely, would have really yeah. liked to see them come out and maybe thrash around on one of the heavier songs. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I know Employed to Surf weren't there, so he did Long Gone without Justine. But yeah. that, that was great. Yeah. Um... I, I cannot deny that Jamie Lemon was brilliant, and I, I very much enjoyed this set. Definitely, and I, you know, it still blows my mind that it's just two dudes making all that sound <laughs> yeah. as well. I mean, that is not to be, that's yeah. no mean feat, to be honest. Yeah. He, um, just maybe not a, a set list to both of our kind of personal <laughs> tastes, which is, which is fine. Yeah, I mean, I think there are just moments which I found harder to access, and I know that's very much a me problem, and... Um, you know, even though I did walk away from that set, like you said, feeling slightly shortchanged, um, there, there's absolutely no love lost no. for Jamie Lemon here. And why he couldn't turn up across the weekend instead of instead of Frank pissing Turner all the yeah. time, I have no idea. <laughs> the true king of 2003 is Jamie Lemon. The greatest there. showman. Um, <laughs> stop saying that. <laughs> um, so after Jamie Lemon, we headed over to the cave. Um, well, I headed over to the cave shortly after Jamie Lemon finished his set mm-hmm. uh, and went to see While She Sleeps. Another weird set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um Headline in the cave stage, like I said, but unfortunately, about a week or two before Trees, uh, the band announced that Loz would not be joining the band for the remainder of their European shows. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand it's for personal reasons. Now, not to speculate too much, but I, you know, I don't think it's anything which has a lasting effect on the band. So, no. so whatever has happened, again, not to speculate, no. we're kind of wishing Loz well mm-hmm. and hope he returns to the band soon. Um, so, yeah, while she sleeps, I mean, they're one of the best live bands in the UK, mm-hmm. um, full stop. And, yeah, they work so hard and, and you just know that they were, they were still going to pull a blinder mm-hmm. out of the bag, even though they were, they were a member down. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did the show still, which is why we're reviewing it. <laughs> With a sort of myriad of guest vocalists, yeah. um, primarily Griffin from Shapes, whoops, yeah. um, and Kaya from Blood Youth, yes, who both, much like their bands, were fine. Yeah, they. <laughs> I mean, they did the job perfectly well. I think. Yeah, but then we get on to some of the other guest vocalists, and we had. Andrew from Comeback Kid. Yeah. I, we didn't review their set earlier because I literally saw about like one song while I was eating some food. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas from Holding Absence, yeah. who we've both kind of said is a fucking brilliant vocalist. Yeah. Um, and, and to kind of close the show, I mean, I, I popped like a, like a motherfucker when I, when I saw Liam Cormier from the Cancer Bats, yeah. friend of Bitch and Brew podcast. What an amazing surprise, because Cancer Bats obviously playing, we're going to talk about them in the next day. <laughs> it was a lovely surprise to see that he was already there, yeah. and, and that was really cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even, even though it was, you know, kind of a guest vocalist situation, I thought that While She Sleeps absolutely crushed it. Yeah, I mean, the band themselves are really incredible, aren't they? Um, always. And it it kind of, I think, they really, really pulled pulled it off, you know, in an unfortunate situation. They mm. turned into something that felt very celebratory of um, yeah. 
of their entire back catalogue. I, I suspect it maybe didn't lean as heavily on the So What material as it might have. No, I think they only played about three songs yeah. from So What, and yet they played about five or six songs from You Are We, which was the yeah. album that preceded it. Yeah, and a, and a couple from Brainwashed. They played one from This Is The Six, and yet I'm so gutted that they did not actually play Dead Behind The Eyes, considering the fact that Andrew from Comeback Kid sings on that yeah. fucking track. <laughs> um, and they've also cut Our Courage, Our Cancer out of the, the set, which I'm a little bit sad yeah. about. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the stuff from So What sounds sounds mega. Does, I think yeah. you know. Better. We were kind of lukewarm towards the record. Yeah, it I, hasn't really grown on me. No, unfortunately, me neither. But I think it's good. Yeah. I think antisocial just is on another level, mm-hmm. really. Um, and the stuff from Brainwash too just sounded punishingly heavy. Definitely. I kind of forget how heavy that record actually is. And yeah. I mean, Sav, their drummer, is. A beast. Yeah, he's he's one of my favourite metal drummers. I would say, and he had a he had a bass trigger hooked up to his kick drum, <laughs> um, and it was so loud. And and the rest of the band had to be super loud to balance it out. Like you know, we I'm going to be talking a little bit about a band whose sub drops made me check my pants after <laughs> afterwards in in a bit. But before before I headed over to While She Sleeps, I was actually I was sat in the portaloo behind the Axiom. Um, I wasn't just sort of hanging out there. I was, <laughs> I was doing my dirty business, and I could feel the portaloo actually like shake. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that must be while she sleeps." <laughs> um, so I finished my poo quickly, and I headed over there. Um, yeah, this 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 was great, and you know the guest vocalists they they carried the set perfectly well. Yeah, some some more than others. Mm-hmm. I think Liam was. Uh, on top four um, as we'll talk about more in a little bit but it does set up quite beautifully for that for that Brixton show that they just announced um, in January with Vane and Every Time I Die supporting I'm going to use your head as a launch pad that night welcome to it yeah (laughs) although this time can you not decide to poo right before Vane are on (laughs) like I don't care like I will make you watch Vane while you shit your pants. I was going to think we established that if I hadn't done that before, they would have made me do it yeah. during, can, if that's what you want. Can we stop talking about shit? Uh, yeah, for now. Yeah. <laughs> Still got Death of Anna to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> right, so from Thursday, which is definitely the day where we probably saw the, the most bands across the weekend, I would say. Definitely, yeah. definitely more than we saw on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still saw a lot of bands on Friday. We've still got a lot of bands to talk about. So yeah. we're going to try and speed it up a little yeah. bit, I think. Yeah. And I'm feeling as sweaty already as as we were kind of as we were kind of feeling on the Friday morning. The Friday was an outrageously hot day, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was um it was pretty toasty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you started the day by seeing Slow Crush. Yep. Um Kind of a weird atmosphere, I think, to watch a band like Slow Crush in. A very sunny field in a tent, yeah. perhaps. Not not the ideal setting. Um, they were really good, I thought. They were, I mean, first of all, a really good cure for my banging hangover. <laughs> <laughs> you went hard on the silent disco the night before. It is um, tradition to go hard on the Thursday of Trees. And the Friday and the Saturday in your in yes. your case. Yeah, in my case, yeah. <laughs> but just don't don't be like me. Um, Drink responsibly, kids. <laughs> um, 
they're kind of a, a a sort of just a really good kind of straight up shoegaze band, I think. Yeah. Um, similarly to what I said when we talked about the album, it was in your favourite albums of last year somewhere, wasn't it? It was. Uh, I, I, I do love it very much, whether it be kind of in there now, because it was at number 20. Yeah. And there's records I've heard since which might push out a little bit, but that's not to say that my... A great album. Yeah, great it's, not album. To, it's not to say that my appreciation and love for the album has died by any amount, if mm-hmm. anything, quite the opposite. I sort of uh, mentioned the fact that the vocals are very, very low. Yeah. Mix with the album. Um, How does that come out live? It's the same. Oh. Um, but it was very much a case of seeing it and and it making kind of more sense when you see it live. Mm. You know. Um, I would say I didn't get the kind of dark, slightly doomy sense that you get from the album. I didn't really get that live. Whether mm. that was kind of to do with the atmosphere, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but really, really. Really impressive soundscapes from Slow Crush. Uh, it was it was really impressive. I don't know why I chose the band I'm about to speak about instead of seeing Slow Crush because I, I do really like that Slow Crush record. I think it's more likely that I would have seen a Slow Crush headline set over over the band I'm about to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I decided to start my day by seeing Peng Shui um, on they they opened the Cave stage mm-hmm. and. Um, Brad, I think we've mentioned this briefly, possibly not on mic. How do you feel about Peng Shui? I feel nothing for okay. them. I'm very unimpressed by what I've heard. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like Peng Shui. I like what they do. I, I thought they were really good fun. Okay. I would say that. Um, they. If you don't know who Peng Shui are, because they are relatively new... Yes. Or they, they're sort of up and coming, at least. They're, they're a London three-piece who do this this kind of grime-rock hybrid that we've, we've seen loads of already. But uh, they, you know, comprises a rapper who is, is really great. His, his name I don't have written down, unfortunately. A drummer who is fantastic and just kind of keeps that rhythm going. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't really do anything too fancy, but he kind of mixes live drums with some, some like, triggered electronics mm-hmm. and, and, like, loads of sub-bass. Um, uh, but then also they have a live bassist okay. who kind of adds to that low end. It comes through so strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, you thought while she sleeps with a low end, like <laughs> the cows in the field next door were barely getting over <laughs> while she sleeps from the night before, before Peng Shui came on. <laughs> God, won't someone think of the cows? <laughs> and uh, and I could feel it right in my in my gut. Yeah. Um, at one point. Um, it was it was certainly a way to wake up, and um, I I don't know if they needed as many air horns between each song. It almost felt like I was watching like a live broadcast of Charlie Sloth's radio oh. show at times, like <laughs> between every single fucking you song. Hear them often, God no, <laughs> um, but I, I I look, I can't seriously say. That what they do is anything like particularly original. We've seen this done loads with bands like Asteroid Boys and you know more towards the hip hop end, Foreign Beggars, mm-hmm. um, uh, even Hacktivist to an extent. Hacktivist, yeah. Um, Tech One, yeah. Although Tech One were more sort of dubstepy. Yeah. Even like the bigger bands who do bring live live bands along though, like Chasing Status and mm-hmm. obviously the Prodigy. Um, 
I, I can't deny for a second though that they were massively entertaining. Um, the 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 I'm not a grime expert by any stretch of the imagination, but but the guy can spit some bars for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sound so white saying that. <laughs> yeah. He he shows tons of personality between his songs. He's he's quite cheeky and oh, cool. and I I left with a smile and it was a weirdly lovely way to start start the day. Cool. Um, so yeah, Peng Shui. I think even if you you don't like him on record, because I must admit I listened to him on record and I think yeah this is decent yeah. they're, they're, they're just they're, they're one of those bands much like Asteroid Boys where they were just that bit more entertaining live yeah I've always felt that way about Hacktivist as well yeah they're very similar uh, to check them out. so we kind of reconvened after that and we went to go and see Brutus mm-hmm. um, who again you can hear a chat with now on the Bitch and Brew 2000 Trees two part special available now on all good podcast platforms <gasps> Brutus. <laughs> um, they were on the main stage, yes. and rightly fucking so. Yeah. Um, I've only ever seen Brutus at 2000 Trees. I've seen them three times now. Wow. It's been the last three years in a row that they've been there, and each time they've they've become tighter and tighter and tighter. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they were superb, weren't they? Let's They're just amazing. put it out there. It was my first time seeing them. Um, oh, you've not seen them yet. No, just point. in case listeners haven't realised, I am obviously an idiot, <laughs> and um, I just missed them at festivals and stuff. You are very much the bumbling comic relief of the bitch in <laughs> review, um, and I'm the sex appeal, obviously. Yeah, obviously, um, obviously that that's true. Um, <laughs> they they were really fucking loud, weren't they? Oh, I think, um, yeah. A quick, another quick aside about the festival generally. Um, the main stage sound, I thought, was hugely, hugely improved this year. Yeah, I think people, the they, they really took the feedback from last yeah. year of it being quite tinny. And um, Yeah, definitely. And that served Brutus very, very well, I think. Very much so. Yeah. Um, they opened with War. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. Cause Just was... casually open your set with the best song of the year. What, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I thought they were closing with it mm-hmm. uh, up till up and well up until recently. Yeah, obviously. I think they have been. Yeah. Um, and and from the moment they kind of kick into that double time hardcore beat, mm-hmm. it is it is all going. They they sounded well and truly like they belonged on the main stage. It was almost Definitely. one word that I have written down in my notes is biblical. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Stephanie has my utmost respect. Yeah. For being able to do what she does on the drums while while kind of coming out with these huge sort of beguiling, almost Bjork esque vocals at yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I wouldn't say they're particularly like you know we've been talking about bands being showy quite a lot on this podcast, but mm-hmm. they aren't particularly showy. But what they they kind of do musically alone meant that my jaw was on the floor for for the majority of the set. Definitely. There's a there's very much a kind of um as you said they're not showy, but there is a kind of a punk energy. Yeah. I think definitely to the pair of them. Um I kind of watched with it being fairly early on the Friday, a lot of people kind of sat around hanging around mm. the main stage area and I kind of watched around me as people just became transfixed yeah. as they kind of came in with war. Just really stole everyone's attention. Which was great. It was very cool to see about seventy to eighty percent of the set comprised tracks from Nest, mm-hmm. which is their latest album. We, I mean, for me, it's one of the ones to beat this year for album of the year. Oh, yeah, I think definitely. Um, and they ended the set. I, I was absolutely sort of uh, 
blown away by the fact that they ended this set on the last track from the album, which is Sugar Dragon. Yeah. And much like I said when we reviewed the album, you can go back and listen to that if you want. I think it was episode three, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's, there's this similar energy to how it's played on record where it feels like they're just giving every last ounce yeah. of, of breath and strength that they have. Mm-hmm. Into into delivering those the, that final five minutes on the record, yeah, for sure, feels very much the same mm-hmm. on um on uh dur- well during their live set, yeah, um yeah, I mean it's definitely one of the most experimental bands I've seen on the Trees main stage. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. But they have every right to be there and with any luck stay there <laughs> um, so yeah Brutus Brutus were fantastic yeah. we're going to stick on the main stage uh, because we both saw Dream State yeah uh, oh, I, I say I saw Dream State I kind of I was sort of watching them from afar I was kind of watching them from the the side of bar if okay. you, yeah um, now I I saw them on the Axiom stage last year, mm-hmm. and despite all the technical issues that they were kind of experiencing throughout the set, which was quite prolific, but um, as, you know, despite those issues, I knew they were going to be on the main stage in, in like no time. Yeah. Um, so it was not surprising to me in the slightest that they were on the main stage. I think we've discussed this again off mic. But I think I'm more keen on Dream State than you are. Yes, that's fair to say. Would you say that this set? swayed you in a more positive direction towards the band at all? No. Oh. I remain... Uh, I don't want to use the word unconvinced. On a personal level, I, I remain un, unswayed okay. by them. Um, I think it's one of those cases where they they just do nothing for me. Right. Um, I felt it was the first time, one of the only times of the weekend, that the sound was not great on the main stage. Uh, I don't know if I'm really one to comment on that because again, Being I was from the kind of distance. Yes, yeah. Um, in your ciders, as it were. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you know it's a super energetic live show. Um, there's a real nice connection with the crowd. There's a real nice message of togetherness, and I don't mm. want to begrudge them. That stuff is great, and clearly they're working for yeah. a lot of people. I think it's just me being a grumpy arsehole. <laughs> I'm just willing to accept that. I, th- I think they carried themselves. This this year set, you know, you're saying about the sound. I think it went a lot smoother for them, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, and they carried themselves extraordinarily well. I think uh, these these are another one of these bands where they are kind of superstars in the making, mm-hmm. and they're building something massive with this inevitable debut album yeah um i think by far the biggest improvement from last year's set and just from their live show overall was cj's vocal range mm-hmm. um she has really honed her her sort of harsher metalcore leaning vocals yeah. you can say um as, as well as her clean vocals and she kind of flits between them a mm-hmm. lot better i would say um, I, I really think you know uh, that there, there is a little bit of cynicism towards them, just because I think they got given a media push pretty early on. Mm-hmm. But I think the only way is up for them, whether you like yeah. them musically or not. I think, as ever with these kind of bands, I, I I want to be convinced. Yeah, you know, and I will listen to the inevitable debut album when it when it comes. Catch them live again at, at the next opportunity, but so far, I'm convinced. <laughs> well, I know a band that would have already convinced us both before we saw them. Yeah. I've already expressed my love for this band, and I think you probably did too when that album was in my top 20 albums of last year. Yeah. I told you I'd eat you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
thank you again to Joey for being a part of the, the Bitchin Festival previews. Yeah. Um, now, they were finally making their 2000 Trees debut on the new stage after what felt like kind of years of social media lobbying to get them to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's this year, you know, with the debut album out, Odearism, and, and all the momentum that they've gained since releasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like the, this set carried a very similar energy to that, to that nervous set. Yes. Um, or any kind of, you know, nervous set, really. That 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 sense of the community. It's all about the community. Definitely, with I told yeah. you, it's less sort of sing alongy than a nervous set. Yeah. I would say that. Um, but even the people that are singing along are singing along with sort of all the energy that they can give. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that community spirit really does strengthen the bond between those musicians on stage, who are they are so tight. Yeah. Without without sounding like over rehearsed. Like yeah. they're really tight, but they they kind of rattle along with this mathy, almost post-hardcore, early emo energy. Yeah, I mean, you say post-hardcore there. I I've never seen I Told You I'd Eat You Live before. I think you have, haven't you? I've seen them a good few times. Yeah, yeah. I was not expecting a live show that kind of kinetic mm. and and hardcore esque in yeah. a way. I think, um, which was surprising, but really adds to that impassioned you know delivery of the vocals and that that sense of community mm. hardcore is all about community isn't it it's... yeah i mean joey is is such an infectious front person they act and and kind of perform quite erratically on stage yeah and uh, you know a, a lot of what they do seems very spur of the moment yeah and they're really channeling channeling the, the emotion mm. of those songs, I think. Yeah, and and not to do like a, a sort of a profile on each member, although they are like all so brilliant and mm-hmm. accomplished. But their drummer Sean is, I mean, they they've clearly had a history with with either like classical or jazz drumming, mm-hmm. just from how nuanced and kind of frantic yeah. their style of drumming is. But they they they're still incredibly well timed. Mm-hmm. They they're just I cannot say enough kind words about how great a drummer Sean Westall is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was quite pleasantly surprised to hear that their their entire set comprised Odearism stuff. Yeah. Uh, yes, I am including Get Terrified, even though they did an EP with that on it beforehand. Yeah, yeah. It's still on the album um, and is their best track to date. Um, I, I, as much as I would have liked to have heard a couple of the like pre-Odearism numbers, like Get Out of Bed or Divine Violence, etc. But it's a short set at the yeah. end of the day. And... Hopefully, we will see a much longer set from them at following Trees Festivals to come because this one just gave me all the feels. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I saw a little bit of Gouge Away Mm -hmm. next. Uh, I understand you saw a little bit more of them than I did. I caught like the last few songs. Yeah, I saw most of the set. Um, we, we We were... we both saw them supporting yeah. uh, culture abuse back at the the joiners in um, what was that October last year? Yeah, their first UK show, I believe. Oh wow! It was certainly their first UK tour, but I believe that might have been the first date of it. Wow! Um, I mean, for all the bands we've spoken about on this show so far that I have put on a show, mm-hmm. I feel like you know it's kind of we've mentioned it quite a lot at this point. <laughs> I think Calgary the absolute antithesis of that. Yeah. Um, and a few bands on on this stage that day kind of do that for me. Yeah. Um, everything that Galgeway does is is just so unfiltered and and raw, 
and 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 kind of no frills. Yeah. And it's brilliant as a result. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They they were once again superb. Yeah. They are uh, super explosive. Um, I think Christina it was um, a lot more kind of, I keep using the same words, but I'm going to say kinetic again, a lot more. She was really making full use of that stage and running around and more so than I seem to remember her doing last time, which was super cool to see. Yeah. Um, she is an absolute powerhouse vocalist. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're a super cool band and... And I think they they really kind of they really would have made a lot of new fans. I think on that stage, which I'm very very glad to to kind of see because I don't feel like a great deal of the buzz around Galgaway has carried into 2019. No, and not onto that second album, which is a shame because I think it's a it's a really really great album. I think if nothing else, this set uh, yes, it was great, but I think it's also good to kind of jog people's memories, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully they get to do that again with some form of new music relatively soon yeah, I'm not expecting so. another album at this point although they might have it in them to do that yeah. hardcore at the end of the day isn't it <laughs> um, all about the community um, <laughs> but maybe like another single or an EP yeah something Fing- like that. fingers crossed soon uh, speaking of hardcore well in a way um, where were you when Angel Dust were on there's going to be a lot of where were you moments this weekend for me <laughs> and the answer unanimously is I don't have a fucking clue <laughs> at the bottom of a bag of wine probably <laughs> um, well I definitely saw Angel Dust and I've pretty much seen a full Angel Dust, Dust set now mm-hmm. because I saw the start of their set at uh, Slam Dunk and I saw the sort of remaining two thirds of their set at 2000 Trees that's a long set yeah <laughs> <laughs> wait what? That's just a long set because they started at Slam Dunk and then finished it. Too. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, crap. <laughs> I'm so warm. I'm too tired for this shit, man. Um, uh, it's, it's really getting to a point now where you just need to fuck off. <laughs> That's not what my note said, actually. No, I, I think it's really getting to a point now where Angel Dust need to stop being compared to a baby turnstile. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. and I say this knowing full well that they share a drummer in mm-hmm. Daniel Fang. Again, another amazing drummer. Yeah. But uh, also the fact that Brendan from Turnstile was covering from them on guitar. Oh, really? So it, again, no abs. <laughs> and it was very warm then. <laughs> um, with, with the material from the new album, Pretty Buff, which we both liked. Yeah. I, it's growing on me. Actually. Yeah, yeah, as 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 we move into the the sunnier months, yeah, it, it's grown on me a lot more, and it's very much a stylistic departure in terms of you know incorporating more acoustic guitar elements mm-hmm. and sort of elements of surf rock, which is cool. There, there, there's much more of a lackadaisical vibe to what they do compared to some of their peers. Yeah, especially when you think about the fact that Justice Trip, their singer, is more more well known for being in Trapped Under Ice. Yeah, um, but when they go into songs like beat my drum and want it all they're, they are summer anthems that are perfect for that that mid-afternoon starting to feel a little bit loosey-goosey time i mean you probably <laughs> felt that about 11 o'clock when you're halfway <laughs> through your bag of wine um 
I, I will say I really enjoyed Angel Dust. I, I think if I had to give a criticism, the kind of fluidity and, for lack of a, a less wanky phrase, the kind of sequencing throughout the set was strange okay. because uh, they most of the stuff they play from Pretty Buff is kind of bookended by the earlier hardcore stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd prefer for them to kind of duck and weave a little bit. Okay. Um, because I don't want to hear them kind of start on tracks like Headstone and Let It Rot. Um, and then have to wait until the end of the set to be hit with Toxic Boombox. Yeah. To, to which the crowd react. I think the crowd reaction kind of reflected that a little bit. Yeah. They they were still hot for like Beat My Drum. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't be? Um, but you know, when they went when they finished on Toxic Boombox, the the tent kind of went off for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, that said, it was still an outrageously good time. I mean, who couldn't have fun at an Angel Dust show? <laughs> Nerds, <laughs> absolute dorks. Um, okay, so you missed Angel Dust, but you did see Pulled Apart by Horses. Yeah, um, band we've never spoken about on or off mic, I don't think. How do you do? You have any kind of history of Pulled Apart by Horses? I, I do. I, I I saw Pulled Apart by Horses headline the Axiom, I think, oh, cool. uh, uh, trees in twenty seventeen. Um, that was kind of around the time where I tuned out of them on record a little bit. Yeah. I think uh, Blood was a decent album. Mm-hmm. It kind of brought in some more desert rock, Queens of the Stone Age elements, which was yeah. cool. I think I was most interested about Pulled Apart by Horses uh, around Young Love, the album that they did with Gil Norton, which has oh, cool. like V N O M. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, you know, tracks like that on it. Uh, that was when I was most into Pulled Apart by Horses. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I dig them. Yeah, um, it's been a long while since I saw Pulled Apart by Horses. I think the last time I might have seen it might have been at Reading in 2013 or something. That's I was there. Uh, well, I don't think I actually even saw Pulled Apart by Horses that year, but I was there at that Reading. Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking long time it ago was now. one of those Reddings at the, you know, towards the beginning of this decade. Um, Is that the year that Eminem headlined? Yes. Yeah. It may have been. It may have even been the year before when Foo Fighters did it. I, oh right. Struggling to remember. They certainly only had one or two albums at the time. I think Paul Popper Horse's first album is great. By the way. Yeah. Really, really cool. They are not as hectic live wire a live band as they used to be. You know, they're a lot more kind of toned down. Oh, that's now. A um, bit of a shame to hear. Yeah, I went expecting something quite different. Mm. Um, a lot more toned down, a lot more kind of riff-oriented, um, almost sort of bluesy rock. They're not a band I've kept up with on record. Mm. Um, that said, it was good. They know their way around a riff, that band. Yeah. They certainly do. Um, and we know how we feel about bands that know their way way around a riff. They they know our, their way around our hearts. Ah, oh, yeah, they do. Um, I, I still really enjoyed it. It was a really nice kind of mid-afternoon festival set. I think they, they pulled a decent crowd. They clearly have a following at 2000 Trees. I think they played a whole bunch of times. Um, but yeah, not, not a kind of weekend-stealing right. set for me. Okay. Well, I'll tell you who did have a potentially weekend stealing set. Oh yeah. Uh drug church. Mm-hmm. Uh now um 
Cheer was in your top 20 albums of last year. It was. I, I assume it would stay there now, even if you yeah, it may were to revise it. its way. It slowly crept up in my estimations with every listen. Yeah. I keep going back to it, especially after this set, where they were fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it may even push its way into the top 20 if I, if I revised it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Slow Crush. <laughs> um, but yeah, much like I was saying with Gazaway earlier, they go... It's so unpretentious Yeah. what, uh, what uh, Drug Church do. They go into these... Somewhat contemplative alt rock, yeah, yeah, uh, songs almost quite a sort of a self deprecating, yeah, um, with with kind of all the vigor of a hardcore band. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like how Patrick, their, their, their front man, leans further into the harshness of his vocals live, yeah. I, I think even more so. On on the weekend than than he did when we last saw them. I think he really this ups. is my first time seeing them. You saw them without uh, me last time. Oh, so I did. Yeah, yeah. Bastard. Um, <laughs> I I feel you know it it may just have been the acoustics or something, but I, mm. I feel like he really even leaned more into that kind of gruff hardcore. Yeah, sounding vocal reminds me a lot live of uh, David from Culture Abuse. Mm-hmm. Even though Patrick is is like definitely more abrasive on record than than David is. Yeah, it's uh, the upping of that abrasive. Yeah, live. yeah. I, I also love how dry and sort of sarcastic he is. He's got he's so charismatic and and slightly oddball, isn't he? Yeah, and unashamedly show. He's not even like he's trying to do any kind of shtick. No, he, he's just kind of being completely. He natural. was also the first person. I noticed other than myself to point out the kind of weirdly placed pole in the middle of the stage <laughs> that in the cave was that was sort of I was saying to several people over the weekend that that is a strange place for a pole mm-hmm. and then the man himself leant on the pole and said what a curious place for a pole <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean he yeah he is quite dry and yeah. very funny but kind of naturally so mm-hmm. and then he just kind of leaves that buzzsaw guitar tone to just cut right through you yeah um i feel like a bit of a dick for not showing drug church the level of love that they deserve up to this point mm-hmm. that that changes now yeah. I, i'm dying to see them again yeah they were fucking fantastic um the Clayton Older songs, I thought the songs from Cheer got the biggest reaction. I mean, they're yeah. absolute anthems, a lot of them. That was uh, is it Unlicensed Tool Monitor. Um, yeah. Got a huge pop and Phone Pit as well. Yeah, Weed Pen as well. Yeah, it? I think I missed the end of the set, so I think... Did they end on Weed Pen? Yes, they did, yeah. I've been gutted to have missed that yeah, moment. Yeah, it really I've... went off uh, at the end of the set. Yeah. Um, Incredible, yeah. That I mean, that was a weekend stealing set, definitely. Okay. Uh, speaking of weekend stealing sets, uh, yeah. So I left Drug Church's set early to go and get a White Russian. Did you have any White Russians? I actually didn't. No, mate, they were fucking good. Yeah, they were really good. Uh, and I got ready to see the Wild Hearts mm-hmm. take to the main stage in what's kind of like 2003's equivalent to the Glastonbury Legends slot, if you yeah, ask me. Yeah. Um, I, I think they they took the fact that they stood out like a sore thumb on that main stage, yeah. on before As It Is and You Me At Six. And, <laughs> oh, they were on before, pulled apart, uh, after Pulled Apart By Horses, which seems a little bit more of a natural yeah, progression, makes, but still. Yeah. Uh, but they, they took that fact and they fucking sprinted with it. Yeah. Uh, this, this was your first time seeing The Wild Hearts. So yeah. I've seen them a couple of times before uh you pretty much you became a fan with the last album didn't you which we reviewed on the may show definitely um i dipped a little bit into their back catalog not a huge amount where did you go did you go to i went to earth versus okay good um correct great album 
Um, I mean, they won me over again with the live show. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. I think, did they open with, um, is it Dis- Dislocated? Dis- yes, yeah. Yeah, um, which obviously is one I recognised from that new album, which was just super cool. Um, I thought all of the new album songs they they played sounded great. I think the older material maybe packed more of a punch. Yeah, I mean it was pretty much a greatest hit set with yeah. that with that slightly enhanced focus on Renaissance Men. I think being the new album, obviously. Yeah, definitely. I think the the kind of the one thing that that was a was a bit of a head scratcher. Um, I I maybe thought they could have played a better song than the one that they got Frank Turner on stage for. Yeah, in, I in mean that space and also when Ginger welcomed Frank Turner to the stage, who then didn't turn up until his bit on the song two and, yeah. two and a half minutes in, and it, we're like, it was a bit. It felt like something that they had maybe decided to do because he was there. Yeah, um, uh, they maybe could have played an old school banger in ne- that spot. They could have played Need to Nitro or, yeah, uh, yeah. 27 Times the Pain. Yeah. Uh, but they did play, you know, Sucker Punch, Sick of Drugs, Caffeine Bomb, mm-hmm. Vanilla Radio, Everlone. I Want to Go Where the People Go, had to yeah. close the set, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I'm not massively surprised that there wasn't the like the biggest crowd for the Wild Hearts, but that that would have been the perfect introduction to the wild hearts for someone who may have just sort of stumbled over to the main stage set mm-hmm. on a whim yeah and we're getting the wild hearts on arguably their finest form in the last 20 years it's the original lineup they've kind of come out of the other side of some nasty shit and you know this is the best album they've done in two decades mm-hmm. arguably and again they they they're playing with the swagger of a band like 20, 25 years, yeah, they're, they're, they're junior. Like, they are in their late 40s, early 50s mm-hmm. even, and they are far from past their best. I think if you closed your eyes and just kind of listened to the set, you would not have expected to open your eyes and see a not band all, no. with the kind... Not to hold their age too much against them, but, you know, you wouldn't have expected to see... No. Geordie uh, uh, in his mid, <laughs> early to mid-50s, like Ginger. Who and I is... think um, you say the crowd was was not the biggest on the main stage. I think those that were there were were loving it, and I think you could really feel the goodwill yeah. towards them. One of the many cult bands I think we'll be talking about this weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd love to see the cult booked for 2000 Trees next year. Yeah, Trees people. The tree people. God, we're, <laughs> we're, t- we're not talking about the arms yet. Jesus. <laughs> if you're listening, book the cult for next year. Uh, who's next? Rolo Tomasi. Bloody hell. Oh, shit me. Oh, it was my first time seeing Rolo since um, Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It completely blew me away. Mm-hmm. And, and it continues to do so. Um, I... I, I kind of took me back to 2017 when I saw him once again on the cage stage mm-hmm. and it kind of reignited my love and, and sort of attention for them a little bit I kind of tuned out at that point of ro- what Rolo were doing and yeah. had missed the last couple of albums but I was back on board after seeing that set and, and fully ready for the for the album to, to kind of blow me away yeah. like it did uh, I missed the beginning of the set, but I think it was all stuff from Time Will Die, if I'm right in thinking. Uh, there was two songs from Grievances, oh, I believe. Right, okay. Um, but but very, very heavily, yeah. Time Will Die, yeah. A lot of good bands doing that with their latest albums at Trees yeah, this year. Yeah, uh, Goes to show what a banger of a year 2018 was, <laughs> yeah, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I didn't really expect anything less, but they were fucking outstanding. Yeah, absolutely incredible. My first time seeing Rolo Tomasi, uh, because once again, 
idiot. That stuns me, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think I've always sort of known about them, and I've always thought they were this kind of cool, weird band, but Time Will Die really made me take notice mm. and really elevated them in you know in in my head yeah um, <laughs> um they were amazing transcendent i think just deafening at times um watching them play you know especially the rhythm section was absolutely mind blowing yeah i mean they're very focused when yeah, when they play they the, don't do a whole lot visually on stage no, but the sounds that they're making are, yeah I mean, we all know at this point how good they are as a heavy band, both mm-hmm. on record and live. But for me, it was those e- sort of euphoric, epic, more melodic passages on, on songs like Aftermath and A Flood of Light. Yeah. I never want them to do a different set closer now than A Flood of Light. No. Um, uh, it's those moments that just kind of really sweep over you and leave you feeling utterly devastated. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they were nothing short of magnificent for me yeah. at, at Trees. Yeah, and I really need to get up to a headline show at some point. They played the joiners the day after, but we were obviously still having uh, a lovely time on Upcote Farm. Yeah. Um, we're going to stay on the cave stage now for the for mm-hmm. the last band of the day that we saw. Uh, and that band is the motherfucking Cancer Bats. <laughs> uh, so after seeing uh, them at Slam Dunk... And mm-hmm. and realizing just how much I actually love Cancer Bats, yeah, uh, I was I was more stoked for this than I I think I ever have been to to sort of see Cancer Bats because it'd certainly been a minute since I'd seen one of their sets like end to end, yeah. Uh, so headlining the K stage, um, I mean, it was a good thing no one had to follow them technically. <laughs> I know that Thrill Collins did the silent disco afterwards, and that was cool, but. It was a good thing no band had to follow with a you know a, a sort of more conventional set because they yeah. fucking decimated the place. <laughs> yeah. I um I've seen Cancer Bats a bunch of times. I think a lot of people that go to gigs a lot will have seen Cancer Bats a few times. They're incredibly um proficient. Is it proficient the word? They're always on the road, aren't they? They don't yes. really stop working. Yeah, yeah. They're a very hard working, hard touring band. Um. I think this is the best Cancer Bat set I've ever seen. I would wholeheartedly agree. I, I think, think they have it in them to be Band of the Weekend for me. Wow, yeah. I mean, they're up there for me. I think they really... It felt, um, again, celebratory. I think they really brought... They took the fact that they were headlining, closing out mm. that stage and really used that to play what felt like quite a special set i think yeah i mean it was it was leaning heavily on the hits as well oh, yeah. it was bricks and mortar hell destroyer mm-hmm. lucifer's rocking chair the sabotage cover obviously yeah. um and the the set closer which we'll get onto in a minute yeah um i i, I it took me a while to cotton on to the the ghostbusters reference that they came onto on stage yeah um and and kind of opening with gatekeeper which weirdly they they almost finished with at slam dunk but i yeah. think that's just testament to the fact that they changed their set pretty dramatically with each show. They're a yeah, bit like clutch a, in that sense. Yeah, which is a really cool thing to do. Always has my respect when bands do that. Yeah. And like you were saying, they're such a road-tested, well-oiled machine at this point. But yeah. at the same time, they're, 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 it never feels over-rehearsed. It's so live-wire and impulsive. Yeah. Especially, I mean, Liam dots around the stage like a, a fucking dynamo. And Jay, their bassist, yeah. I, I struggled to take my eyes off at times. Yeah. Um, just because it was giving it both barrels. Yeah, I think Liam stakes a claim to be one of the best frontmen, I think, 
in a band at the moment. I think he's For sure. just so captivating. I mean, doesn't get spoken about often, but his fucking voice is amazing, isn't mm. it? He's got a real set of pipes. Yeah. On him, and he he good, never sounds good. Pair like, of lungs. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. This. Do you want to talk about the end? Because I think we both went a bit crazy. Yeah, about forty minutes into the set, I did turn to Brad and say, "I'd sure like some Bat Sabbath at this point." <laughs> uh, Twenty minutes later, at the end of the set, War Pigs <laughs> yeah. to end the set. Fucking War Pigs. <laughs> Yeah, and very much Cancer Bats playing War Pigs, yeah. think, or Bat Sabbath, if you like, but but very much that version of it, which was, was just fucking great. It was, yeah. it was really fucking cool. Uh, yeah, it Bats was the, the, the perfect set closer for me. Uh, I, I wonder if people, what you were saying earlier, have have become a little complacent towards Cancer Bats just because they're over here so often. They're they're over here on tour next month. I think we're going to try and get Liam back on back on the podcast. Yeah. For sure, because, yeah, he was a um, lovely guy. And, you know, it was their first time at Trees, but I think a lot of people were just like, oh, yeah, shit, I forgot Cancer Bats are playing. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that a set like this is, is kind of a kick in the teeth to those people, just kind of yeah. a reminder for them to give a fuck about yeah, Cancer Bats, because they are, they are special. They really are, yeah. Uh, and fucking war pigs <laughs> uh, yeah what a way to uh, to end the Friday and so we arrive with a slight bittersweet taste in our mouths mm-hmm. and it's not the, the wild garlic that I could smell on the on the, <laughs> on the drive up to the festival you thought I wasn't going to mention that weren't you <laughs> yeah I and, did yeah, I thought... and you know I, I probably shouldn't have even mentioned it myself <laughs> I was a little bit worried that you were going to bring it up to be honest for, for people that are wondering what the fuck are they on about with wild garlic we were like about 10 minutes out of the festival site and I love the smell of wild garlic I think a lot of people do it's quite natural Brad yeah it's super normal yeah um, but what was the issue it was the it was the randomness with which you said can, can you smell that thinking okay somebody's farted there's a there's a strange odour in the air and you were like wild garlic uh, it was just for, for me and, and your girlfriend Taz it, it was too funny it was just too funny. I just love garlic so much. <laughs> I couldn't even smell it. But <laughs> I made a face like James Hetfield does when he <laughs> makes the riffs. Yeah. So if you're listening, know that, that Danny loves wild garlic. And if you see him at a show, if you see him at a festival, shower him with wild garlic. Show him the wild garlic. There. <laughs> Brick. <laughs> uh, tell me about the first band that you saw of the day because I kind of started my day off with a lovely chat with Delair the Liar that, yeah. you, that you can now listen back to on the Bitch and Brew two part 2003 special available now on all good podcast platforms yeah <gasps> very interesting chat with those guys actually yes lovely uh, that's the plug over <laughs> talk to me about the first band that you saw on Saturday first band I saw on Saturday my kind of discovery of the weekend I think cool a band I knew fuck all about <laughs> when I went to watch them um, again hungover um, Slingshot <laughs> Dakota yeah, I don't um, know anything about this band. Okay, I was. Going I know to that ask they you. just went on tour with Fresh. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I thought you may have, a, have an idea who they are. Um, interesting band. They are a husband and wife duo. Um, Carly, the wife, plays keyboard um, through a distortion pedal, mm. while Tom, the husband, kind of plays his drums. Absolutely batters his drum kit. Actually, nice. But they play, I think, what can only be described as as sort of heavy pop. 
you know, with a with a keyboard that that sounds more often than not like a guitar. Um, really cool. Obviously, I didn't know any of the songs, um, but they were really cool. They were super charismatic, really funny. Um, at one point, Tom kind of said, I, "I love that we're melting all your faces while you're sat down on the grass," because I think <laughs> everyone was so hungover. And then he was like. If you're sat down, we can't see you shit yourselves when we play these. <laughs> it was really funny. They were super charismatic. Um, I think Carly called uh, it Cheltingham um, and not Cheltenham. She had no idea where she was, I don't think. Um, but it's the middle of nowhere, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it was great. I, I just thought it was really unique. They they spoke quite openly about their kind of background in punk and hardcore right. and how they would... Um, were not never really accepted yeah. by that community, but because they were lugging a keyboard around and, okay. and playing kind of pop songs, and and they used to play kind of like Fugazi covers and stuff. Oh wow! Yeah, really interesting band, and I have been to listen to them on record, and and that translates into the recorded output as well. Oh okay. Have they had something out this year at all? Um, I'm not sure if it was this year okay. or not. Actually, they have. Yeah, no, they, I think they have had an album out this year. Yeah, maybe we'll have to revisit that at some point. Yeah, on a future yeah, episode. they're a, they're an interesting band. They um they really won me over. Just sort of really great heavy pop songs. Mm. All right, I'll have to go check them out. So Slingshot Dakota, they were on the main stage, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, I started off on the cave stage that day. Yeah. Uh, I, we both saw this band actually, and I may be wrong, but I think it was their first time in the UK, or, or like at least they were still like it's one of their early trips to the UK because they're still yeah. very much in their infancy. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the band Danger Face. Yeah. Uh, brilliant name, by the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was mentioned quite a lot during the set. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I checked out their album, Get Loud. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out Riot Act podcast for yeah. uh, basically giving us some content to rip off. <laughs> uh, but also kind of recommended us uh, Danger Face. Yeah. Um, I think they turned a lot of people onto this band. It's a brilliant mix of the Bronx and Turbo Negro and almost like Andrew WK, like party rock. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, they were there to start a party. Yeah. It was 12.30 in the afternoon, everyone was feeling a bit groggy. I'd barely finished my juice at that <laughs> point. And I'm talking like, it was a good fresh juice. Yeah. Lots of orange in it. And, uh, and you know, good on them for it. Yeah. Um, and they definitely had their vitamin C, that's for sure. Yeah, super energetic. Yeah. Um, the Bronx, a really good comparison. I've actually seen the Bronx on that stage before, and and it's quite uncanny the the resemblance. I oh, think. really? Um, you know, not suggesting that they're a kind of a carbon copy or anything, but mm. you know, that's well, that's no bad thing, is it, for a young band to be have that kind of live show? Yeah, and even for a band that that early on in their in their kind of uh, their their career, if you will, their their singer whose name I don't have written no, down I, I don't, don't either, he was going for the full-on rock star mm-hmm. shtick yeah. not like a persona because he kind of he just looks like a normal bloke yeah you wouldn't been able to pick him out of a, a crowd you know no. but he's climbing on the crowd he's getting them to shout danger face back at <laughs> yeah. back at the back at the band he's joking around that they're going to get naked <laughs> almost reminds me of my dad uh, <laughs> and but he was doing the whole what's our name and by the end of the set everyone was yeah. properly on board <laughs> i i think it was borderline obnoxious yeah but, but so tongue in cheek yeah he he kind of worked it to his advantage i would say i i knew exactly what i was going to get out of this set as soon as i i heard get loud and and i was not disappointed one bit no it, it was really great 
I think they really, I think they made a bit of a name for themselves there, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're one of these bands that comes back here after Hero Trees and I sort would, of climbs the lineup. Yeah, what a bit like Thrill Collins. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see da- Dangerface Danger in Disco. <laughs> Dangerface in the forest. <laughs> I actually, I, I didn't say I didn't go in the forest once this year. No, I, I went in there, but I didn't watch any acts. No, I missed A A Williams, which I was yeah, really gutted about. Mm. She was on immediately after Dangerface, but I'd, uh. I'd go off and do some other things yeah which sounds more sordid than it actually was, it was i was just poo, going to do it? it yeah it was a poo yeah <laughs> uh while i was having a poo uh no while i was doing interviews you went uh, well there's actually a run of bands now because i should mention sunday was my busiest day for interviews mm-hmm. which you can listen back to now on the 2000 trees bitch and brew two-part special available now on all good podcast networks <laughs> Plug number four. Um, but you went to go and see a run of bands, so I'm going to kind of let you lead this one. Starting with Vukovi on the main stage. Yeah. Was gutted to miss this one, because yeah. they were they were very kind enough to be a part of the, the preview episode yeah. for Trees. Friends of the podcast now, I think, aren't they? Absolutely. Had a good little chat with them. Janine gave me some fireball whiskey, which... Really? Oh, it burnt. <laughs> Um, Vukovi are a band that initially didn't do much for me musically, um, but have been winning me over for some time now, mm. I think. Um, I think the cuts from the um, the upcoming album are really, really good. Um, they really won me over with this live show. It's a great live show. Have you, you've seen them live before? Right? Yeah, I saw them at the previous two years of two yeah. It's another one of those bands that's been there three years in a row and have moved up mm-hmm. a stage each time. Yeah, I think... Um, am I right in thinking they were maybe a little bit nervous about being on there? In fact, I think Janine actually even said she was shitting herself on stage. <laughs> um, not literally. Um, but you would if she hadn't have mentioned it you'd I don't think you would have known. I think mm. they looked like they'd been doing that for some time. Um the sound was great. Um the songs are just super catchy, it's super energetic, it's really fun, really vibrant. Yeah, they they really won me over. I uh, uh, that that's really cool to hear. Yeah. Um you know, I kind of hope it translates a little bit more into record this year, the kind of energy mm-hmm. of their live shows. And yeah. They might want to bring a bit more synthy poppy stuff into the into the into the album, which I think would be really awesome. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean their their show is always kind of it's become more and more of a party each time. Yeah. Especially at Two Thousand Trees. Um another band I was really gutted to miss because we both really quite liked the album when we reviewed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spielbergs. Yes. Um, musical whiplash going from Vukovi to Spielbergs, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's what festivals are all about, I suppose. Yeah. Um, really laid back, slacker vibes with Spielbergs. We really liked the album, didn't we? Um, yeah, I, I was. I was. It's it's a little bit single heavy, mm-hmm. I would say, but it's still a bloody good album. Yeah. Um. You know, they opened with five on it, which is an absolute anthem, I think. Um, and then kind of, they bookended the set with um, five on it, and I think they closed on 4am. Okay. Um, so they bookended it with the two, for me, the two kind of big anthemic, kind mm. of youthful kind of um, punk songs. Um, a lot of the sort of shoegazier stuff peppered the set in the middle, which... Um, Makes a bit more sense to me live, I think, the shoegazier stuff. I, oh, I liked okay. it on the record, but I felt it maybe didn't gel okay. together. Mm. Um, 
it all kind of gels together a bit more in the live show. Yeah, because I, I think the thing that kind of let me down a little bit about the album was there were like a, a chunk of three fast songs and mm-hmm. a chunk of three slow songs. It yeah. was a sequencing thing again, really. Yeah. I don't think they really... Uh, yeah, I don't think they were really that well put together. No, something I would expect them to hone, I think, on a second album. And, and a live set. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, really good. Not the most kind of energetic, very sort of shoegazy on stage, but I think the songs are strong enough. Mm. Um, yeah, really, really good band. Good. <laughs> um, and another really, really good band that I'm starting to get a little bit more excited about with each passing day. Yeah. Uh, Lotus Eater. Yes. On the um, cave stage. Again, musical whiplash right there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Did yeah, you go see Highlong after this? <laughs> Highlong in the High forest. In the, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Again, trees. If you're listening, yeah, do that. Although I might be too scared to. Humming, um, humming, humming, humming. I can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> I listened to that Highlong album actually. Little side note. Yeah. Uh, the new Highlong album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know we're jokingly saying that we're going to cover it. I don't think it's worth it. Oh, okay. Live album is is where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Lotus Eater, anyway. sorry. Um, that's the uh, that's the uh, regular high lung segment over with. Daddy loves <laughs> high lung. Du, 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 du. Sorry. Lotus Eater. Um, packed out tent for Lotus Eater. Great packed to hear. Packed out cave. Um, um, where to start with Lotus Eater? They, again, they're another band that have grown on me. Um, I think they play a really cool kind of brand of metallic hardcore. Um it's very interesting live. It's really dynamic, I think, in a similar way to a band like Code Orange or Vane. The way they use kind of pauses, you know, right, um, okay. makes the breakdowns heavier. Do they use a lot of like electronics and samples in their set as well? Um, not a huge amount. Okay. There is a, there's some of that. Um, there's some really cool effects on the guitars, which okay. I think are cool. Um, not a perfect set for me. Um I found it slightly repetitive. Oh, okay. Um, they're a young band. They don't have a huge amount of material. Mm. Um, I found myself, my interest kind of waning a little bit towards the end of the set. Um, I felt like I just had a lot of beatdowns, I think. Mm. Um, the singer's on stage patter is incredibly aggressive. There's a lot of fuck this, fuck that, fuck yous. Um <laughs> Which one of you doesn't know how to flush the toilet after having a shit? <laughs> a lot of that Disgusting! Stuff, um, <laughs> a bit... It seems... Um, it, it's a little bit OTT. Oh, I okay. I don't know if it's very necessary. It reminds me very much of Ollie Sykes, kind of circa 2009. Oh. You know, it. I, I would like to see that reined in maybe a little bit or, or, or just... You know, mm. you know that yeah. that's a personal thing. Um, but no, very, very good, very promising to think that they're a band as as early in their career as they are. Yeah. It bodes very, very well for Lotus Eater. I think incredibly fucking heavy mm. set. Yeah, cool. Oh well, I need to get out to see them at some point because yeah, a lot of buzz around that band mm-hmm. and plenty of time for them to to hone their craft. Yeah, for sure, and stop calling everyone. We fucking pracks. <laughs> yeah. I, I apologise to any Scottish listeners. <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, I saw this does feel like musical whiplash because I went to go and see Muncie Girls <laughs> uh, on the main stage. The first ever guests on Bitch and Brew, or Landy, their singer at mm-hmm. least, uh, first ever guest on Bitch and Brew. Uh, yeah, on the main stage, which is which is awesome to see, especially after their last album, Fixed Ideals, an album I loved. It was in my top twenty of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't think it got anywhere near the love it deserved. I think their their momentum died a little bit of a death after the first album yeah I think so sadly you know uh, certainly on like the media side of things but we don't give a fuck about that do we because we're the anti establishment yeah establishment yeah I'd say yeah yeah up yours (laughs) um yeah fuck Boris yeah months ago yeah Uh, yeah so um I I actually do really hate Boris yeah yeah. my favourite my favourite response on Twitter this week uh, was someone sharing uh, with the caption the whole of the UK right now sharing a picture of Ralph Wiggum going I'm in danger (laughs) (laughs) that's the best one but this isn't a politics podcast but still Bitch and Brew says fuck you Boris Uh, back to something actually good Muncie Girls uh, and straight off the bat I was I was very pleasantly surprised to see that they've expanded their lineup. Um, Landy is now on guitar Mm -hmm. uh, and someone uh, I I didn't have their name written down again um, but they're from the band Shit Present Okay, uh, is now on bass Uh, so they're a four piece now and having two guitars now really lends to that more layered melodic sound Mm -hmm. Dean was a great guitarist anyway but having Landy on guitar as well um, you know kind of adds it enables them to dip into some more of those really lush melodies on Mm -hmm. Fixed Ideals Um, they they were another band who leaned extremely heavily on the new album Um, all but one song came from Fixed Ideals they kind of ended on Respect from their debut album from Mm -hmm. Kaplan to Bell Size Um, and Landy kind of Kind of gave a pretty excellent speech about uh, sexual violence. Mm-hmm. A lot of we heard a lot of speeches about that this weekend, yeah, um, uh, and you know it was kind of one of the many brilliant speeches that that we definitely needed to hear. Um, not us personally, but like the world yeah here. yeah uh i think it was perfect timing for the band it was it was like sunny out it was mid-afternoon and mm-hmm. even though the songs like carry a lot of weight thematically you can you can kind of go and watch them and just kind of cling on to these upbeat power pop bangers mm-hmm. and um and it's definitely important to recognize the messages i think but i think it's okay to just have a lovely time too mm-hmm. during a months ago yeah. set and that's certainly what I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, they looked so at home and, and comfortable on that stage, almost as if it was like no big deal to them. Yeah. I, know, I know it probably very much was for them, uh, but they just looked cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so shout out, Muncie Girls, you're still well good. Yeah, um, that's another where the hell was I moment, to uh, be honest. Probably down in another bag of wine like a goon. Yep. <laughs> um but you did see Colgis. I saw Colgis. I don't really know anything about Col- I've heard, heard a couple Do of times. Do you want to know the- what they are? Yeah. Gaslight Anthem. Gaslight as in light, L-I-T-E. Gaslight <laughs> Anthem. Is this the pun you yeah. were building up for yeah. fucking They're hours the before? Yeah, Gaslight Anthem. Cool. That's kind of what they are. Um, Is that the end of your nose? <laughs> <laughs> One... One of the many Scottish bands I saw myself watching on Saturday, actually. I oh, ended right. up seeing loads of Scottish bands with <laughs> Covey, Lotus Eater, Cold Years. Um, Liz, very, Liz um, Capaldi in the forest. <laughs> the Proclaimers in the forest. 
No, the, sorry, the Proclaimers were at Camp Reuben. <laughs> they did a Reuben cover set. Uh, sorry, Colgis, yeah, the, um, the gas light anthem. Yeah, um, maybe does them a disservice because I, I was really impressed. Um, oh, right. <laughs> but, um, well, I mean, as good as the gas light anthem is a, is a big ask. So they kind of are the gas light anthem. Yeah, um, I, I got the pun, Brad, it's yeah, okay. I'm just making sure the listeners got it. I think they did. Okay, good. Cool. Um, You're fired. <laughs> It is very, very inspired by that kind of heartland rock thing. Um, but there's a kind of a sort of Scottish kind of melancholy thing in there too, mm. which gives it a bit of its own DNA. Singer's got a great voice. Um, so they're not, you know, doing anything particularly unique, but they're really good. I don't think they have an album out yet. Um, it's similar to Lotus Eater in that I kind of felt I'd, I'd seen it all by towards the end of the set. Right, okay. Um, I would like to see what Cold Years do over the sort of canvas of an album. Mm. Um, because I think they're a really talented band and I, I, I don't know a lot about them. So it's still worth keeping an eye on. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, i tell you who is definitely worth keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's Sir. Yes. Um, again, you can listen back to a chat with them on Bitch and Brew's two-part 2003 special, available now on all good pissing podcast platforms. Um, but yes, sir, were a, a last-minute addition to the main stage yeah. after Culture Abuse had to cancel. I was absolutely gutted that Culture Abuse cancelled. Yeah. Um, but and I, I can imagine that there was some scepticism over this booking. Mm-hmm. Um especially as soon as they were already playing a set on the cave stage on the Thursday. They were kind of on opposite ends of the festival, if you will. (laughs) Um, But they approached that set like they've been doing it for fucking years. Mm -hmm. Did you you catch this set? I did, yeah. It was the main stage set, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really great stuff. Um, Like you said, they did look like they'd been doing it for years. Um, Really cool. They're a really interesting band, I think, with a really interesting mm. sound. The dual vocal approach is is really cool. Yeah. Um there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of nineties vibes in there. So there, PJ there are. Harvey. For yeah. Sure. Well I, I know a lot of what uh like a lot of the comparisons have uh, been made to, have been made to sort of a band with two PJ Harveys on vocals <laughs> but uh, you know at the same time they 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 feel quite young and refreshing what they're doing yeah I think if it's an influence I, I don't know if I would say two PJ Harveys on, on vocals actually but I definitely think that that's an influence yeah um, the Breeders as well is another big one yeah, which, which yeah. I kind of pick up on um, Star Power I think is what they had mm. um they also they had anthems. This is a band that were I think a really buzzed about band of the weekend because yeah not one I checked out prior to going to the festival because idiot and um they they really won me over and it's a name that I heard spoke about all over the weekend. I believe this is another one of those bands that have played three years in a row oh, okay. so have developed something of a cult following at Trees and like you said I, I love the way that Tina and Anya kind of trade those lead vocals off each other I think it's really sort of ethereal and, mm-hmm. and quite alluring and then they come in with these meaty grungy choruses yeah. that you know I think it's that that's a really cool contrast. I don't think you would have. They were. They were. They were very slick and impressive. Yeah. And I don't think you would have ever known that it kind of sort of stepped up to that that slot at the eleventh hour. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought they were ace. Yeah, really good. Um, 
Is it Do What I Want? I think the most... Is that the most recent? It's my favourite song of theirs thus far. Yeah, an, an absolute anthem. That was in my head. Mm. Um, that was in my head until every time I died played Map Change, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, really great stuff. Yeah. Definitely a band I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Fair enough. Uh, Delay the Liar, I saw after that. Mm-hmm. Um, Why well, I had to say that like Yoda, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but I did see Delay the Liar and uh, a two-part special podcast platform. I chatted with them. Yeah. Anyway, um, I I think, oh, I mean, they were brilliant. Um, I was really excited to see them because uh, I, like many people, really loved that debut EP. Uh, that they put out last year, mm-hmm. um, and I'd heard a lot about the energy that they carry on stage. I think it's it's really hard to gel with your band bandmates when there's just two of you on stage. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's something that's not really uh, noticed enough because there's like less of a shared responsibility. Mm-hmm. So even though there's less people that you have to lock in with, that 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 pressure is actually heightened mm-hmm. um, because there's not so much to hide behind. But but with Delay the Liar, you can feel such a formidable bond between between the two members, Finn and and Joey. Um, I think they throw some some really great contrasts of, of sounding quite like ramshackle, mm-hmm. but eloquently so. There's there's almost like a theatrical element that was pushed forward by, by Finn's voice. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I mean that that alone is so powerful live. It's much like I told you I'd eat where everything feels so emotionally driven and and the way he spoke about this is another one of those bands that have quite heavy lyrical themes. Yeah. But again, you can kind of go into it and just enjoy the music as well. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, he's he he spoke very sort of um. A lot of it, I mean, it, it, it seems kind of wanky to say that it came from the heart because you can kind of hope that it comes from the heart for all bands, but you know, you could tell he was getting quite emotional between yeah, the songs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I had to leave the tent slightly early, but I did see some pictures of Finn crowd surfing at the end, which, oh, cool. which is pretty cool. Yeah. And with any luck, Delay the Lie will, will come back next year, and a lot more people will be very, very excited to see them. And, and those that aren't just off the back of this fantastic review, um, will be fucking stupid to miss out on them a second time. Yeah, yeah I, I won't be missing out on them a second time if they come back. Put down the wine. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now you sound like my mum. Um, <laughs> you saw Single Mothers, though. Yes, I did, yeah. Um, single Mothers, not unlike Drug Church, in that sort of very kind of, as you were saying, unshowy sort of, it's, it's all out there for you to see kind of mm. thing. Um... Single Mothers are a band I really, really like. I think Drew Thompson, their singer, is a, is a real focal point of the live show. He's he's full of beans, that guy. <laughs> um, he sort of jumps around the stage very kind of raucously, but also kind of slightly awkwardly as well. Um, he's a real character. Um, they've got some real huge songs in their arsenal now songs like Winter Coats and Half Lit and Money are, are you much of a fan of the band on record because uh, it feels like one of those bands that I've, I really have put off kind of going into for a little yeah. while not not for any particular reason just mm. not enough hours in the day I'm becoming more of a fan of them on record are they played the joiners did they support Drug Church or did they support I think that you my saw them my memory's failing me I think, I think you they saw them support Drug, Drug Church, Church. Yeah. sorry that's the sound of my very loud uh, water bottle. <laughs> um, 
And uh, yeah, they've been growing on me on record ever since. Um, they're um, they're just a a really great band. They're very difficult to sort of classify. I think genre wise, they're kind of a bit post hardcore. Mm hmm. A bit kind of spoken word in the vocals. Very punk. Yeah. Um, it was really good. It was it was super energetic. Um, sounded really loud. Yeah. Just really great stuff, yeah. Um, and then oh, I think uh, Drew Thompson, their singer, did a Drew Thompson Foundation set earlier in the day. So oh, he was really? pulling double duty. Yeah, yeah. Um, sticking on the Axiom stage, they were on the Axiom stage, right? Uh, they were on the cave. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, heading over to the Axiom stage, again, another band I was gutted to miss because I was busy doing shit. Uh, Martha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I didn't see all of the set. Um, but definitely enough. It was a pretty full tent, which was really nice to see. I kind of predicted that. They yeah. seem very much like a 2000 Trees band. Yeah. Um, if such a thing exists. Yeah, and as you were saying about Muncie Girls, it just seemed like the sort of perfect timing. The sun was out. Um, it was really sunny. I, I think the main thing that sort of captured me while I was in that tent was the atmosphere. Mm. There was friends and sort of couples everywhere just kind of embracing just seemingly having a really really nice time and you just felt super lonely and I, I, yeah i mean i was kind of third wheeling all weekend anyway <laughs> uh, between various uh groups i think you find my girlfriend was third wheeling between the two of us yeah am yeah, i right she would agree with that I think, shaggington yeah. bear <laughs> um yeah so they they really created a, a really um lovely atmosphere um a very different atmosphere to the band we're going to talk about next but um just as strong an atmosphere. Yeah. Um, the harmonising always kind of blows my mind when I see Martha live. I think we spoke when we reviewed the album about that I only really know Martha from their live shows, mm. which um, which always blow me away. Um, again, they leaned very heavily on the new album, which we were very positive about. They opened with Heart is Healing. Um, the WrestleMania song, which I think was one of your favourites from the album and not one that captured me initially. WrestleMania was, 8. WrestleMania 8, sorry. Yeah. Um, was probably my highlight that I saw of the set. A, a real anthem, a real catchy as well. Well, you know what you need to do now? Watch wrestling. Exactly. Wrestle, is WrestleMania 8 a particularly notable mania? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I'm still kind of going back and watching old manias. Uh, uh-huh. You need to go and watch WrestleMania 17. Okay. Which has... Well, I understand it, having not seen the previous 16. I, I think you would. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, okay. in that case. And uh, you can absolutely marvel at the wonderful main event that was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. Uh, <laughs> uh, that does sound fun, actually. It also does have the legendary ladder match, uh, which is... Uh, or tables, ladders and chairs match, sorry, which is... Hardy Boys, Dudley Boys, and Edge and Christian, which is very good indeed. I'm going to convert you at some point. You're <laughs> yeah. going to be a wrestling fan if you're going to be on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you who we're both a fan of, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Merle. Mm-hmm. Two-part Bitch and Brew special. Go and listen to my chat with them. Lovely people. Yeah. Really genuinely lovely people. All the people I chatted to were lovely. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and if you are listening, guys, uh, thank you very much for, for sharing... 
so much love towards us on social media. They, yeah, 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 really, yeah. Top shaggers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, Merle, um, I'd heard a hell of a lot about the, the sheer intensity of Merle's performance. Yep. Uh, and it got me very excited to see them at last. And my God, I was not expecting something as intense as we actually got. No, no. On, the, on the new stage. Um, I mean... Just for for a sort of a kickoff, Kim, their vocalist, he really does take that hardcore background that he has, and let it kind of shape his stage presence. Mm-hmm. In in some ways, like you know, what he does would not typically be expected of a band who who largely deliver these sort of cinematic blasts yeah. of of icy black metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and he loves getting into the crowd and kind of screaming <laughs> in people's faces. Yeah. That's that's for sure. Um, but he he also has these quite grandiose and almost again theatrical uh, gestures. Yeah. Uh, it, at times it feels like you're watching more of like a a Greek tragedy or mm-hmm. an opera. You know, with the with the way he's sort of um, gesticulating. Yeah. yeah on yeah. on stage, uh, and and there's sort of so much depth to the set to how it may appear to kind of pass us by. On, mm-hmm. on the surface. Yeah. I mean, I kind of made my opinions clear at this point about how fucking brilliant they were. What did you think? I was transfixed. I was absolutely immersed in what they were doing. And I think it's one thing to have a great festival set where you've got your arm around your mate and you're, you're swigging a bag of wine or whatever. And it's one thing to be taken out of that sunny field mm. and taken with this band into their kind of cold, icy... World and this sounds wanky, but this that is how I felt. It's called Denmark. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, no, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, incredible, incredible stuff. I thought um, they were staggeringly heavy. Staggeringly heavy, but also you know capable of these very, I suppose, dreamlike kind of soundscapes at times. Yeah, as I mean, well. you know, it, it was those ambient moments and those sort of heightened. Melodies is it? I can't. I can't remember the the uh, track. It's either Bruma or or Vacuum, mm-hmm. which which has that particularly melodically intense chorus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, really, on the, even on the sort of, you know, when you compare them to other, I know they call themselves like a shoegaze metal band, but mm-hmm. if we're kind of putting them within the broader black gaze scene, yeah. with your yeah, Death he- Heavens and Alcests and yeah. Bostonage and, you know, bands like that. I put, I, or Bostonage, is it? Bostonage? Boston? Uh, Bostonage, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah cool. Uh, if we're putting them in, in that crop of bands, I feel like, you know, there, there's absolutely no reprieve. No. Where, um, where where those bands kind of go into much more sort of lusher territories, mm-hmm. there there is just, yeah, no downtime during, yeah, during the and, set. I, and there was no real kind of... The album has a little bit of a build-up mm. until you get into those um, that crushing heaviness. I mean, the, if I remember rightly, they went straight into Penumbra. And yeah. It was just, you know, blasted you straight away with that, which was surprising, but immediately kind of captivating. Mm. And then as they kind of left the stage, everyone was chanting... Their yeah. name, I think. Did you start that? I Am think I, I might have done. Yeah, I think you started. It was that. it was me and and uh, shout out Matt Benton. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> which was, um, which was amazing. Which is the only time I saw that happen all weekend actually. And also, I think, you know, if you caught a glimpse of their faces as they left the stage, I think, really, really meant a lot to them. I yeah. think you could see how 
really chuffed they looked. Yeah, I mean... Which is great. You did not need any downtime during this set. It was <laughs> mind-blowing. It was fucking incredible. Uh, it's so kind of one of three sets, I think, that, that just absolutely stole the weekend for me. And we're yet to talk about the other two, but... Yeah. It's kind of joint best it, set of the weekend. With... It's well up there for mm. me. Uh, so afterwards you went to go and see June Rat. So yeah. I know sort of a couple of songs off, but beyond mm-hmm. that, pfft, tell me more. Yeah, well, same here, really. I <laughs> uh, didn't know a huge amount about them. I went to see them kind of... They're a fairly buzzed about band at the moment, mm. I think. Um very kind of chaotic stoner punk, basically. Yeah. The songs are all about drinking beer and smoking weed. Um, they're very Aussie in their stage patter, um, trying to get people to down their beers or drink beers out of shoes and stuff. Um, but, you know, they... Well, that is a very Australian thing to do, doing a shoey. Yeah, yeah, it's the Aussie way. Yeah, Daniel Ricciardo does it whenever he wins a, a Grand Prix, which is not nearly enough. <laughs> that was a sport reference. That is the only ever real sport reference you will get on the bitchin' review. Anyway, back to back to Doom Rats. Um, yeah, I don't have a huge amount to say about them. I think you know musically they maybe don't do a huge amount for me, but I think they were really fun and energetic, and the crowd were really loving it. Well, did they get a big crowd? Because they, 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 they yeah. seem to be. I've seen sort of videos of their shows and and like they they're getting some pretty pretty sizable crowds yeah, already. They, they is... did have a big crowd actually. Oh, fair yeah. enough. Um, and I think you know festivals are the place for that kind of stuff. Mm. And and it was a perfectly fine festival set. Cool. Uh, so after that, we both saw. Oh, here we go. Right, okay. Um, we both saw the Saint Pierre Snake Invasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I must admit, having not known all that much at all about Saint Pierre until we reviewed their latest album, Capri Saint Chante, yep. which is in well, just in the last episode of Bitch and Review, which feels like a sort of a lifetime ago now since we put yeah. that out. Um, you know, that new album alone was enough to to get me so excited to see them live. Yeah. It was one of my most highly anticipated bands of the weekend, even. And uh, well, did they disappoint? Did they? <laughs> Fucking buggery. Uh, I mean, yeah. Try and try and. Say, why don't you say something while I while I try and figure out what the fuck I want to say about this set? It was. I mean, it was amazing to see the tent pretty much full. Yeah. Pretty full, I would say. Um, it was great to basically. I think they played ten songs, and eight of them were off the new album. Yeah, I yeah. Think, I believe, um, which is great because the new album is, I think, a, a pretty colossal step up from the first album, I think. Yeah, I, I like that first album. I've gone back to listen to it yeah. since, since loving Capri Saint-Tronte so much, but there is a, a quite a... Consi- I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying it themselves, but there is quite a considerable leap for mm-hmm. me. Um, I mean, going back to that that full tent thing, they they are something again of a cult band at two thousand trees yeah. and and also arc tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the crowd they they had, yeah, it was it was it was pretty big and like you know the the people down the front we were quite near the front for them, but mm-hmm. they they were so hot for them. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know not just 
for the for those songs which have kind of become staples of St. Pierre's set, so like um, Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll Workshops mm-hmm. from, from that first album, and yeah. uh, that really early song about your favourite band is Razor Light and their shit, or whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever that one's called. Yeah. Is it the last words of a bent cop or something? Th- yeah, I think yeah. that is what it's called, yeah. Um, which, are, you know, they, they kind of responded to those, uh, obviously... Very, it was one of the most lively crowds of the weekend, is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. But yeah. they also really popped for for the songs off Capri Song Chante. But Definitely. I know those songs have been in the set for a while because it's mm-hmm. been a it's been a minute yeah. since they re- recorded that album, so they've been road testing the songs for a while. Um, I mean, from the off, apart from that kind of a cappella segment from from the album, mm-hmm. which they kind of played over the PA, it, it gave a lovely light. That's the one, yeah. They kind of went in with the safety word is Oklahoma, which mm-hmm. is the opening song on Caprice on Trante. Yeah. And they just explode on stage with this kind of volatile energy that is so kind of immediately captivating. And yep. when, when I say volatile, it's not like they're trying to do any sort of like baby Godzilla like sorry no. I should say heck yeah. kind of shit where they're diving into the audience or running around or whatever but they they aren't half kind of rolling their sleeves up and getting stuck in still mm-hmm. and you know I mean we need to talk about Damien um uh, uh, Damien Sale I should say their um their uh, their frontman um Bitchin' Brew two part special had a chat with him he was very lovely I could have easily spoken with him for hours if, if time allowed and we must get him back on the podcast yeah. stat um, he's another one of these these uh, from and they're just so sort of dry and sarcastic yeah um, but he's also not afraid to show his heart and his mm. kind of gratitude yeah uh, he he said at times how much it warmed his heart that we were there mm-hmm. uh, I say we as in the audience not yeah. us personally yeah um, and uh, he was, um, you know, he was, I, I, you know, you could tell he, he obviously meant it and it wasn't just a sort of uh, a crowd fluffer. Yeah. Um, and oddly wholesome, this set as well. Very wholesome. I think, um, should we talk about the guest slot or should we talk about that last? Uh, William the Conqueror, you William mean? the Conqueror, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think Damien probably put something on Twitter about people bring their kazoos. Yeah. And uh, then he mentioned it again during the set, like, I hope you brought your kazoos. And uh, there was one kid who kind of lifted up his yeah. dad's kazoo while he was on his shoulders. He's like, yes, this has got to happen. <laughs> and he brought this, what, four, five-year-old kid yeah, on stage called, Will- four, yeah. fr- called William. Yeah. Um, for uh, their rendition of I Am The Lonely Tourist. Good, because I nearly said I'm the lonely walrus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that was amazing. And as you said, very wholesome, very heartwarming. I think very telling, I think, of of the band and Damien's character. I think, you know, not not kind of egotistical. It's about a sense of, it's that word community again, Mm. I think. And a gratitude, I think, for everyone being there and, and sharing the experience with everyone. Yeah, which was really, really nice. It was very much. I mean, I was, I was previously was a bit sceptical of how high up the bill they were. Mm-hmm. I know uh, that um, the Black Queen were meant to be at the festival, and I think they kind of took the Black Queen's spot. Or they got bumped up a little bit. Yeah, but I, now I'm on board fully, and I've seen it live. It makes kind of perfect sense. It was absolutely phenomenal. This was a, a sort of a celebration of the same Pierre Snake invasion, and, and bloody good on them. Yeah, for sticking out the way they have because they're finally getting their dues and you know what the best thing is we get to see it all over again at Arc Tangent (laughs) next month fuck yeah (laughs) bring out the bag wine Uh, 
Right. Um, <laughs> found our episode title. Uh, right. So uh, it's time to talk about every time I die. Mm-hmm. Um, the the true main stage headliners. Yeah. For me this year. Um, I don't envy Death of Anna. That's for sure. I, okay, so I didn't know whether I was going to say this or not, but fuck it. Uh, I was stood with some mates during every time I die set, and I turned around at one point, and um, James from Death of Anna was okay. there. Now, I didn't speak to him, I, I don't know him, I've never spoken to him, but the look on his face watching every, t- every time I fucking die... Um, I mean, it looked like he'd seen a bit of a ghost, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, I, I do not envy you, mate. You're about to get your asses handed to you by every time I fucking die. And yes, I'm going to call them every time I fucking die, every time I fucking say it. <laughs> um, they're playing Hot Damn in its entirety. Yeah. Or they played Hot Damn in its entirety. And despite the fact that it's one of my least favourite albums from every yeah, time I fucking die. Yeah, my second to least favourite. Yeah. Um... I, I was still stoked because it's every time I fucking die, and they've yeah. never made a bad album. No, um, I'm I'm not sure how I'm going to review this without sounding like every music podcast ever, which is just saying that how much every time I fucking die kind of ripped the place apart, like they <laughs> yeah. always do. But they are just one of the most consistent bands around, and the the ultimate soundtrack for my kind of state at that point. Mm-hmm. Not that I was completely sozzled because no. because I drink responsibly. Yeah. Thank you, Purity Brewing Company, for Not the free beer. Sozzled, but you did have a wrestling match during this. <laughs> <laughs> it was party time, what can I say? And yeah, like I said, despite the fact it was hot damn in full, I, I know I would have much rather preferred the big dirty in full, uh, or yeah. even like low teens. Uh, do you know the reason why hot, it was hot damn in full? I believe it's the organiser's favourite Every Time I Die album, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah and they did it just for him. Uh, Fair play, I think. That's... Yeah. <laughs> you know, even even though it was hot damn in full, it's the intensity and, and, the, and the charisma with which they perform that just makes them one of the best bands on the planet. Yeah, and I think them performing that material as a band that has, you know, an album like Low Teens under their belt now... Mm. It bolsters that material, I think. Yeah, I mean, for an album that's like 15, 16 years old, they go at it with such savagery. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I think they, they, if anything, you know, they, they did make it sound uh, uh, even better. I, I, I know we've been saying, like, least, second to least favourite every time I fucking die album, but... But they're all so good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's slightly meaningless, isn't Yeah, it? exactly. It's kind of redundant at this point. Uh, I mean, it's absurd to think how long they've been doing this now. Mm-hmm. And if if Hot Damn in Full wasn't wasn't enough for everyone, we pretty much got a full Greatest, greatest Hits set yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Underwater Bimbo's From Outer Space, uh, Werewolf, It yeah. Remembers. Like you said, Map Change earlier kind mm-hmm. of ended the set. Yeah. Um, which served as the the perfect soundtrack, as you again mentioned for my wrestling match. <laughs> uh, with um, so while I was kind of walking back a little bit to sort of get get a better vantage point, I bumped into uh, Jamie Holker, friend of the podcast. He's been on before, mm-hmm. uh, formerly uh, the the guy behind Starter Riot Music. Um, but I saw him uh, dressed rather uh, magnificently, as he always is, but holding uh, a sort of replica ECW championship belt. Uh, <laughs> and I just went, I'm going to challenge you for that right now. And we had a full-blown wrestling match. <laughs> there were submission holds. He got me in the guillotine at one point, and, and friend, another friend of the podcast, Jethro Cole, um, 
uh, came in and RKO'd uh, uh, Jamie Wally had me in the guillotine and we took a hell of a bump for it I know this means fuck all to you but it's brilliant uh, I kind of got him in the disarmer shout out Becky Lynch and um, and then he kind of rolled me up for the pin which he got lucky let's just say that he totally Ronda Rousey'd me and um, and uh, you know the the match was over. He retained the title. Uh, weirdly enough, the the match was refereed by uh, I believe a member of the band Free Throw. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, and um, <laughs> and I sort of uh, did the sort of sombre congratulations. Gutted, I won. Was selling it a little bit. And then I just totally turned heel on him with a super kick. <laughs> and we had a good crowd for this, all right? And they. I, I have seen some footage, I think a short footage from <laughs> yeah, Twitter. And... You, I think you saw the pin. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I kind of turned heel on him and hit him with a super kick. People gave me the heat that I deserved for turning heel. Um, and I gave him a beatdown. And. Oh, fuck, who else? Who gave me a beatdown? I can't remember. Someone gave me a beat down afterwards. I deserved it because I was a dickhead heel. But uh, yeah, great five star, five stars from Dave Meltzer wrestling match with Jamie Holker, and he retained the ECW championship. Except someone did a total Toriano with it and fucking ran off with the belt during our match. Seriously? Yeah. Twat. <laughs> Absolute bellend. So if you are, if you've got the ECW championship slung around your shoulder right now, I hope you know it's not under fucking twenty four seven hardcore rules. You dick. Scum. Absolute s- scum. Subhuman, <laughs> subhuman scum. So yeah, uh, every time I die, uh, yeah. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, that. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I went full blown Malro <laughs> Ronaldo there. there. Yeah. Um, the um, the greatest really hit set was where it was at. I think for me, as great as Hot Damn and Full was. Mm. Uh, I've never seen Every Time I Die before. That was oh, my first time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you got um, you got them on good. For, I mean, again. Never been on bad form. I think um, Map Change is controversial, maybe. I think Map Change is their best song. Absolutely. I don't think it's even that controversial at this point. Um, And I felt incredibly emotional watching them play Map Change there, just, Mm. you know, with all my friends and on that lovely sunny field. It was just such a... That was a real moment for me. In fact, that whole set was a Mm. real lovely time for me and they, they were just fantastic. How could you... Be watching that with all your friends when I was not there. Did I say all my friends? Yeah, you did. Uh, accident, accident. I said that. Oh, Christ, this is uh, this just got tense. I didn't thought it? I just said with my friends. Uh, yeah. Now I know where I stand. <laughs> God, who's the third wheel now? Uh, me. It's me. Uh, we've got two more bands to talk about, yep. and then we're getting the fuck out of here because I'm really warm. Yes. Uh, I went to go and see Frank Iero and the Future Violence headline mm-hmm. the the Cave Stage. Do you know much about Frank Iero's post My Chemical Romance work? I know nothing about ah, it. Okay, I, I have something of a personal connection with Frank. Let's get that on mm-hmm. there now, because you know he signed to to Hassle Records when he kind of first came out as a solo artist, and and um, I got to know Frank that way when I was kind of interning for Hassle. Mm-hmm. Still quite surreal because MCR were the first rock band I ever saw live. Yeah. But Frank's a, a g- really genuine bloke, mm-hmm. um, and. 
you know, I think you always get a bit uh, apprehensive with, you know, bands that were like massive stadium festival headlining bands going solo. You think they're going to have ideas above their station, but yeah. Frank's always been incredibly humble about it. And mm-hmm. something I always reflect, he's always had a reshuffling of personnel with each album. Yeah. He says like a different band, he changes the name. Um, and although each album kind of shares a similar sonic like nucleus if you will mm-hmm. um there's always like another layer added or some or like something revised mm-hmm. um and he's a man with really strong values of reinvention and i i respect that to no end so whenever i go see a frank Iyer show and i'm going to get something different each time mm-hmm. um he's got live keys now um played by kaylee goldsworthy i believe is her name and that adds something really vivid and excuse me at times beautiful to um to songs like uh, Oceans and there's a new song on the, the the new album called Medicine Square Garden. Are we going to... Did we say we're going to review that one on Bitch and Review 7? I'm not sure if we did or not. We can. Yeah? All right, cool. <laughs> uh, more on that later then. So, um, I mean, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, Frank was always kind of the punk of MCO. Mm-hmm. He was always the hardcore kid. He always had his roots in hardcore punk rock and, and DIY culture. And I think that is kind of reflected in how every th- uh, how like unpolished everything is yeah. in in his solo stuff. And I don't, I don't I mean that in a really positive way. It kind of strips back that theatrical sheen and any kind of preconceived notion that someone might have of Frank and kind of where he's come from. Yeah, uh, which I think has kind of held a lot of people off. But people at the same time there were a lot of people very passionate towards Frank. Mm-hmm. His set, again, more specifically towards his set, it it was so full of heart and, you know, it does have that raw edge that, uh, you know, um, My Chemical Romance eventually kind of lacquered over mm-hmm. uh, uh, with more sort of bombastic theatrical elements over time. Um, and I'm, I must admit, I was feeling a little frazzled after the, the double bill of... Um, St. Pierre and Every Time I Die and yeah. get my ass fucking kicked <laughs> by Jamie Holker. Um, but I, I would say it rounded off my weekend in a in a really lovely way. And I'm, I would very much like to head up to London to see Frank play with uh, Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers Ooh, yeah. on a co-headline tour uh, later this year. So um, so let's see what we can do. I'd, I'd love to get him on the podcast as mm. well. That'd yeah. be great be good times definitely um so while i was off seeing frank Iyer in the future violence as much as i love frank um i feel like it was maybe a perhaps a misguided decision judging by how everyone was talking about the band playing over on the new stage at the same time um you said you had a lovely time watching frank i can't say that watching the armed was a lovely time <laughs> but it was a time um i mean if you've been unless you've been living under a rock on kind of music twitter i think you would have seen some of the stuff about the armed set yeah um should i just explain the kind of slightly left field layout of the of the tent uh, um very, very briefly very we've been going on for two and a um, half hours now but i i feel like you kind of man, need to there was a man dressed <laughs> as a bush at a table eating pastries okay. and kind of drinking with a member of security. Uh, I say drinking, not drinking, drinking. That would be very irresponsible. Yeah. Um, Drink responsibly. Um, yeah, so The Armed. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of their most recent album. I'm, I'm by no means an expert on their back catalogue, mm. but I'm a very recent convert. Um, 
I don't really know what the set list was like. I don't really know what they were playing. <laughs> um, it was really fucking noisy. Um, For people who may not have heard the arm before, armed, it's very chaotic hardcore with some electronic elements. Yeah, I um, think we explained this when Joe was doing a preview. It's sort of mm-hmm. fans of the Locust and and Convergent. Yeah. Dinger Escape Plan is another sort of quite common comparison, definitely, but definitely yeah. more towards With some the local elements kind of thrown in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even like some like chip tune, eight mm-hmm. bit electronics. Yeah. Um, incredibly eclectic um, sound. Um, they had a kind of they had a female vocalist, um, and then they also had a, a kind of a male vocalist who kind of fucked the stage off at the start of the set and stayed in the crowd. <laughs> pretty much the entire thing. Um, he was a very big guy with long hair. He reminded me a lot of kind of Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie Halloween remake. You oh, know, that wow. big kind of very imposing, can't yeah. quite see his face. Um, he spent most of the set running around, uh, pushing people over um, and climbing on the sound desk. And it was just chaos. It was absolute chaos. It was pretty intimidating. Um at one point, he came up to the woman I was stood next to. She was kind of eating some food on a on a paper plate with a fork. Uh, he grabbed the paper plate and launched it like a frisbee across the tent. And much to my amusement, the the lady was left just kind of holding the fork with a look of stunned, <laughs> a look of like, "What the fuck just happened?" Uh, he was long gone. Um, what and did you do to my parties? She stood there holding the fork for the rest of the set, pretty much. I, and I was in absolute stitches. I hope but... he bought a. A pie afterwards. Um, <laughs> it's um. I mean, I, I'm kind of conflicted a little bit about whether it, it is okay to turn up at a festival and, <laughs> and do that. <laughs> throw but, someone's um, throw someone's barges across <laughs> the tent. It was without a doubt the most exciting live wire dangerous set I saw all weekend, and I have seen in ages. I mean, I never saw Dillinger. Um, and I know that they had a reputation very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, the chaos, it just descended further and further into chaos. Um, at one point he climbed on a sound desk and nearly knocked kind of the whole sound desk over. Um, the drummer kind of was in the crowd at one point and he was on like a camping chair. Um, oh, the guy dressed as a bush was kind of walking around the tent the whole time, hugging people and asking if they were okay and saying thanks for coming. I got a nice big hug off the bush man, um, which, was a, which was a kind of a weird touch. Um, I feel like I'm not talking about them musically very much, but it, it really was just very kind of frantic, hardcore. And, and you couldn't figure out what fucking song they were playing at any <laughs> really point. You couldn't. Um, I don't recall hearing... Um, Featuring Frank Turner, which is the new one. Um, which is one I've listened it's to the one lot. time where Frank Turner should have fucking turned up, <laughs> and yet I think he probably fucking hightailed it out of trees at that point. <laughs> he was scared, and also, did you know he has no arms? <laughs> I have heard that. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure we, as a podcast, we think that's true, don't we? That I think does, so. Yeah. I actually, going back to I told you I'd eat you earlier, which was like four fucking hours ago at this point, but uh, <laughs> did you see they had a bunch of like handmade signs yeah, on yeah. their stage, and at one point they'd they'd kind of taken the FTHC old like Frank Turner logo yeah, and changed yeah. it to FTNA <laughs> for Frank Turner, no arms. Great stuff. Shit houses. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the arm, very, very difficult set to kind of describe, um... But it was so kind of... It just felt dangerous and really in your face. Um, 
incredible. It's one of the best festival sets I've seen in a long, long time, if not ever. Right. Um, amazing stuff and very highly recommended as a live act. <sighs> Fucking gutted I missed it. But I had a lovely time at Frank, <laughs> and I had a lovely time at 2000 Trees 2019. Yep. That's, that's the end. That's it now. Oh. We can... I'd say we can stop talking about 2003, so I kind of don't want to. We won't. We'll, we'll talk about it. Shall we basically just become an unofficial, official 2003's podcast? Yeah. Although, I say that, we now can look ahead to Arctangent. Oh. And I'm very pleased to announce that we will be there this year. I'm going for the first time ever to Arctangent. Is it your too, first yeah. time as well? Yeah. Yeah, and we'll be doing reviews, mm-hmm. and I'll probably be chatting to a few bands backstage as well. Yeah. Kind of all a little bit up in the air as to what I'm actually doing there at the moment, but we just found out the other day that we, yeah. were, that we will be going along um, with any luck. My car's fucked. Uh, so, so we'll get there. yeah, we'll get there for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> looks like you're driving, <laughs> and I can sit in the passenger seat and and just focus entirely on the smells of wild garlic as we pass <laughs> through the the rolling hills of the British countryside. <laughs> um, like I, I've said multiple times throughout this podcast, there is a a two part. Uh, special uh, Bitch and Brew goes to 2000 Trees 2019 featuring interviews with uh, some of the bands that we've spoken about over the course of this podcast. Uh, interviews with St. P.S. Snake Invasion mm. and Brutus and Delaire the Liar, uh, Merle, uh, Sewer, Foxjaw and Petrol Girls. Mm-hmm. Did I get them all? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, seven bands, all of which were brilliant at 2000 Trees. So go and hear me chatting and having a lovely time with them now and sharing a delicious Purity Brewing Company beer. Uh, thank you again for the for the free cans, lads. I promise I drank responsibly across the weekend, right up until I got to every time I died set and thought, hmm, wrestling match, good idea at this point. <laughs> uh, oh, I feel almost sad that it's over now. Yeah, it's very sad, actually. Who was your favourite band of the weekend? <sighs> it's been really difficult and it's alternated, but it is it is uh, more every time I die or the armed. I okay. think they were just three incredible sets. Yeah, yeah, I'd say... Well, the armed obviously wasn't up there for me because I fucking missed it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Saint Pierre, mm-hmm. Cancer Bats, Turnstile mm-hmm. as well, uh, and Merle, and just so many great bands. I mean, you've established that at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back soon with the next edition of the Bitchin' Review. We'll be talking about uh, new records from Jamie Lemon mm-hmm. and Foxjaw, and I think we'll then be old oh, Drab Majesty as yeah. well. We'll be uh, talking about the new Drab Majesty record um, and I think we're going to use the rest of the episode to maybe pick five releases that we have not yet covered from this year uh, from earlier in 2019 and kind of revisiting them a little bit I'd say revisiting we've not actually visited them yet so <laughs> we're visiting them yeah uh, so yeah make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast platform you listen to to bitch and brew on to uh, to get in on that nice and early. Um, we'll make sure we do that one early in the month as well, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, Brad, thank you very much thank for you. being my trusty servant. Uh, <laughs> servant? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know, wingman? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't go on the waltzes with me, so I don't know if you deserve a wingman status. Co-pilot. Yeah. Compadre. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been lovely. Yeah. I'm really warm now. We're Can- both incredibly sweaty. It's yeah, like right a now. sauna in your car. Yeah, um, not, not a nice one. Yeah, no, like a very unpleasant sauna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, right. Well, that's the the end of this. And if I hand over to you for the for the ending of this, are you actually going to remember the the six simple words that you need to that you need to say? 
be loud. Wait, hang on. I haven't even got to it yet. Oh, oh you're so premature. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you very much. This has been Bitch and Brew. He's been Brad Thorne. I've been Danny Randon. And until next time, go. Be loud. Be kind. Be bitching. Yeah! Get it. <laughs>